Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this afternoon? Welcome back to the channel. Welcome to episode 242 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, but most especially and more importantly, welcome to another edition of the Chosen of Valhalla livestream, where I am joined by my Chosen on Patreon and Subscribestar, and we're going to talk about movies, pop culture, anything the Chosen want to talk about. Today, we're joined by a couple of awesome people, and we have more people that are going to join a little bit later, and then a couple of people up in the air as well. But let's go ahead and introduce the Chosen who are here today so far. So first off, let's say hello to Mr. Roy. Mr. Roy, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. Good. What's been going on in your neck of the woods? Uh, Not much. Just working a lot and job hunting and... That's pretty much it. Okay, very good. Any uh, good prospects with the job hunting? Uh, not really. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Is the market just not that good right now? or uh, It's it's one of those things where you see something and, yeah, I just, yeah, it's like I don't really want to do that. I don't want to do this or that. Or mm-hmm. you, I had an interview the other day where they're, like, asking me, can you do a bunch of things that don't relate to the actual job they <laughs> listed? So you're like, yeah, I don't want to do this job. Oh, yeah. My my wife experienced that a little bit because when she got her new job, this was months ago when she was furloughed from her original job, she was was told this was the job. And then all of a sudden it became, oh, now let's do – now you have to do all these other things that, you know, those actually weren't even on the job description. So that was – fun for her so yeah everyone loves getting oh yeah it's not the job that you actually are asked to do we're gonna make you do other things that have no relation yeah like literally the job i got now is another position uh kate they they call me in for an interview and Mm -hmm. they say yeah this job's not available you want this one instead i was like okay i'll take this (laughs) if you say so then yeah okay i'll take that one (laughs) Yeah, it's, I know it's still crazy right now with because um, I feel like a lot of jobs and a lot of especially like the uh, factories and a lot of just, you know, just various positions across the country are just slowly getting back to normal, especially depending on on what state you're in. But, hey, glad to have you here as always, Mr. Roy. Yeah, appreciate it. And then, of course, we have also the Empress of the Universe. She is one of the Valkyrie. She is an amazing mod on the channel, and she's she's got some things to say today <laughs> and i'm sure that me and her are going to have some disagreements over at least one of the movies on on her list that she'll be talking about today but she is of course the wonderful the amazing the lovely tina b tina how's it going let's see hold on you say calamera that's greek for good morning <laughs> oh there we go well, yes, I'm, good. I'm trying. Good. <laughs> and it's working. Good morning to, I guess it's still morning for some people on the West Coast. So, Laura, good morning to you. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So, huh. So, how Just have you been? to try that out. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing okay. Um, we were talking about my World Lick class. I'm almost done with that. And then introduced to some works that I'd never heard of before. Um the Tale of Genji, which is the oldest novel ever written, it's a thousand years old, was written by a Japanese lady. Hmm. And I'm finishing up the Lusades, or the Lucians, which is a Portuguese epic, which is kind of like Vasco da Gama meets uh, Odysseus. So that's been fun. 
loved going to the movies again. I have forgotten how much I missed that. That's awesome. And it was amazing. And seeing it in IMAX and they had cleared out. I had to wait outside. I had to find some place to just kind of sit and wait because mm-hmm. all the chairs in the lobby are now gone. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, uh, but I pre-ordered my snacks. And so, you know, you go and pick those up. So, yeah, it was great. I was trying to think what, oh, what trailers did I see? I saw a new Saw movie trailer with <laughs> Chris. I think it's the guy that was going to host the Oscars and then they kicked him off the Oscars. And Chris Rock? I think it was Chris Rock. Hmm. I know somebody from the MCU showed up kind of as, oh, look, it's him. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, he needs a paycheck to get a new car. <laughs> yeah, and, I, think uh, I, I think I heard of that movie. It's, it's, like, it's set in the Saw universe, and yeah. it's, it's Chris Rock and someone else, I think. Yeah, and I, I never looked at any of the Saw movies, so I don't care. Uh, the Fast and Furious 9 million, uh, there were no laws of physics in that trailer. I was just like, Albert Einstein, just forget it. Physics are gone, you know, because I'm like, she should be dead. He should be dead. They all should be dead right there. And and uh, yeah, Lars right. Yeah, Chris Rock and Royale with cheese. <laughs> That's who's, that's who's in the Saw trailer. And I saw the Dune trailer, and in IMAX, it looked decent enough that I might go see it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, it depends on, I'm not paying that kind of money to go see it and go, oh my gosh, that was terrible. So, <laughs> you know, I'll see what happens. But yeah. yeah, that was fun. And my best news of all, my baby sister is coming back to Kentucky with her kids. <gasps> nice. And this was so fluky. She texted me last week and said, I apologize for going off on Facebook. And I said, I only get on Facebook like once a week to check my travel groups, what happened. And just to preface all that by saying, um, she and her husband, he's in the military. Mm -hmm. They've been separated for about six years now. Mm -hmm. He's stationed in Texas. She's in Washington state with the kids. And he has not been a good husband to her. Mm. He has cheated on her a lot. His girlfriends like to post pictures of them together before they go on a cruise and everything. And this is a man who is not even really paying. I mean, they're not legally divorced, but he's not giving the kids their money. He's not giving her any money. Well, one of his girlfriends decided last week she tells my sister, I don't want him anymore. You can have him back. And my wow. sister just kind of flipped and was like, uh, no, neither one of us really need him. So he can, you know, whatever. Well, fortunately, some of our relatives saw what was happening because this was on her time, my sister's timeline. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, my God. We had no idea any of this was happening. She's like, no, this is not something, you know, Tina knows, the immediate family knows. And, of course, our mother, thankfully, is not alive to see any of this. And so some of our cousins are getting together and are raising several thousand dollars to get her and the kids back to Kentucky. Nice. 
And so she's going to drive here. I've been trying to, I've got AAA to get her like the roadmap and everything. Cause it's going to take him a few days to get back. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. And Stephanie's right. He still has to pay what he owes. The military does not know that because mm. they're still supposed to be legally married yeah. and he's not doing what he's supposed to. One of my cousins who is former military, he owns a nightclub. He was the one that was talking with my sister uh, he said, we will try to get you a military lawyer because he can get court-martialed. Mm-hmm. Not only for doing this, but for committing adultery while he was in, while he's in the military. Yeah. He was committing adultery on her when he was stationed in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, I'm just going to call him a narcissist. You know, I like at him. least that's the kindest at thing the you can least. say. <laughs> so, I mean, the the kids, they're at this point, both of them are pretty much adults, but they're like, he has not been a father to us mm-hmm. for years. I understand where they're coming from. My mother was divorced. Uh, so I get it. But he has abused my sister not necessarily physically but emotionally and Mm -hmm. spiritually and in the last year or so she says she has finally learned how to wash her hands of it she has never even properly grieved our mother dying 10 years ago because of her Mm -hmm. mess with them Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna let anybody know out there do not stay in that kind of relationship if you're being and i know emotional and spiritual abuse that's almost as bad as physical abuse mm-hmm. physical you can see but if you're in any kind of relationship like that get 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 out of it cut it loose you know and especially if you have kids and because like i said my 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 niece and my nephew i love them to death and they are just like no mom does not need this in her life and it's like no none of you do no so um but like i said on the i got off on that but no i'm so glad that they're going to be coming back to kentucky even some of her old friends from high school said hey we own businesses here you let us know we will set you up with a job too Mm -hmm. so all of that because i don't like social media but it's like that was some good stuff that came out of that facebook timeline so yeah, absolutely. And and I'm glad that you uh, had mentioned that because that's something that comes up a lot, you know, in theology classes, because people always ask, you know, because the Catholic Church has a very specific viewpoint on right. on divorce and on remarriage. And so they always ask about these situations that can come up, right, where especially typically it's 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 the guy in the relationship that is typically the one who is is mostly abusive. And so, th- yeah, the big thing is, yeah, like to, to all the women out there, if you're in that kind of relationship, whether it's abusive uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, you do not have to put up with that, right? That is not something that you are forced to put up with. Uh, so get out of that if you can. Find help. Tell somebody. Most importantly, tell someone so they can help you out. But also, yes. too, guys especially we see it in in today's world right most mo- out of all out of most relationships that we see typically it's it's the guys in in these relationships that that typically are are the ones that that are the that are failing the most and guys y'all need to step up big time because it's one thing we can't just be like hey 
you know, if you're in a relationship, you know, we can't just tell the abused party to get out and everything like that, because obviously that's important. We also need to go off on the people that are abusing and say, stop, like seriously, get, get a grip, understand the impact you're having on another human life. And even more importantly, if you are not physically, mentally, and emotionally ready for that kind of relationship, then don't get into one like it. Don't don't get into it. Yep. And I mean, he didn't have to marry my son. Like I told her, this is not 1821. He mm-hmm. didn't have to marry her when my nephew was born. He's the one who insisted that they get married. Mm-hmm. So he knew what the responsibility was. But, and if there are any... I mean, there's all kinds of relationships now, but mm-hmm. if I don't care if you're male or female, the whole, you know, death turd stuff. If you're a male being abused, relationship, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what your gender is or what your relationship is. If you're being abused, just get, you know, get out of it and get mm-hmm. some kind of help. There is more help out there now than there was 25, 30 plus years ago mm-hmm. because I think people, people are more open to that. But anyway, no, yeah. I'm glad they're, I'm glad they're coming back. I'm glad that she's doing well. I'm glad that my niece and nephew are stable and I'm, I'm hopefully, yeah, she can get a divorce, a legal divorce, mm-hmm. but they She's not just floating around out there, but as far as she's concerned with relationships, she's like, no, I'm done. I yeah. just, I'm just concerned about my kids and, and that's it. But yeah. well, also, know, also, I you know, love- for her, yeah, you know, for her to get help, but also, you know, and I, I know it's, it's not always the, the, the first thing someone thinks about in these types of things, but this dude needs help. Like this dude needs some serious help. Yeah, because like when the kids would go to visit him in Texas, he was introducing them to his girlfriends. And the kids, of course, would go home and they're like, Mom, uh, why would he do something like that? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm sure he thought, oh, well, but that's I'll why. Her- yeah, because yeah. like, that's why I think this guy needs serious help. Right. Obviously, she she needs the most because she is the one that's being like directly impacted by his his tomfoolery. But he needs help because, as you just said, his example that he's setting right now for the kids is is damaging to them. Like she she could be. And we know that we know that that they they are out there. There are those hero moms out there, or those hero dads out there that are raising their kids by themselves, and they do an amazing job. But what we've seen, like you know, when you look at statistics, when you look at like the impacts that that broken homes have on on kids, what this guy is doing right now is having a psychological impact on hey. them. And so, yeah, exactly. she she obviously clearly needs help, needs to get out of that toxic relationship. But also this dude, and I, I saw Pat S. mentioning it. I think it looks like Pat S. might have some knowledge of military. He says mm-hmm. she needs to tell his CO, and then yeah. he will get and, – and he basically said not only will they get paid, they'll get back yes. pay because yes. of this nonsense going on right yes. here. And I will say yes. I actually did not know that because I'm not a military person myself as far – you know, I never have served. And uh, the closest in my family that had served was my – was my grandfather back in the Korean War, and I never really got to talk to him because uh, he passed away before we really had time to really sit down and have those conversations. But the fact that the military still takes seriously mm-hmm. uh, the marital bond, the marital relationship, is just a nice thing to hear because mm-hmm. it's just you look at yeah. society and you feel like society just doesn't take it seriously anymore. But hey, 
yeah. you know, at least the military does. Yeah. So, yeah, that was the reason our cousin, like I said, he's former military and he's like, yeah, we need to get you a military lawyer, somebody who mm -hmm. knows how the military works. And if you want, we're going to find out because he keeps saying we got a divorce. She cannot find any record of it. So mm -hmm. a military lawyer would be able to find that out. But anyway, uh, hi, Bruce. <laughs> uh but anyway, that's my really happy news to mm -hmm. know that they're going to be coming back to Kentucky. Yeah. That's the main thing. Well, that's awesome that they'll be able to, to be next to you. And Lord knows this is, is that you will be the amazing aunt that I, that I know you definitely are. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for sharing that. Um, Not and, a problem. Yeah. And, and with that, let's just say hello to some people in the chat. We got... Uh, Let's see who we got. We got Laura. What's going on, Laura? She was here early. And uh, thank you again. Laura is also a member of the Chosen of Valhalla. Uh, she's just taking a, a break today. And so she'll be helping out in the chat. So thank you very much, Laura, for doing that. She is the modern major general of the channel. And I always appreciate her being here. Uh, we got Hound3000, Bryant Barth. We got Joseph Nash in the chat. We, of course, got Tina in the chat. Going to pull a little double duty. Uh, but Stephanie B, thank you for being here. Stephanie B will be here for a little while. Uh, she's got some work to do in a little bit, so she'll be out for for uh, the majority of the stream. But we'll we'll be able to to be able to hold down the fort because I'll be in the chat, and of course we'll have Laura and Tina in there as well. But Stephanie B, thank you for being here. She is the general of my Valks. Uh, Father Christopher Miller, hail to you, Father. Blessed Sunday to you. Glad to have you here as well. Uh, let us see. We've got just another red shirt in the chat also. Hail to you. Glad to have you back as always. Kara Tharp, who's a member. What is going on, Kara? Pat S., of course, who I'd mentioned earlier, says, All hail the Chosen. Yes, indeed. All hail the Chosen. As Stephanie B. is saying, she'll have to dip out to teach class. You teach that <laughs> class, Stephanie B., and you teach it as, as, I don't know what the word that I'm looking for is, but you, you, you go as intense as you can with it. Push them. To their limits, Stephanie B. Tell them no shavasana for you unless you give me hundred and twenty percent. That's the only that's the only thing from from yoga that I know because it's my favorite part of yoga, is shavasana, because I just get to lay down. Um, <laughs> that's the la that's the laziness in me. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, we also have Inferior. What's going on? He's also a member as well. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I'd answered this earlier. Uh, the stream today, obviously chosen streams in a go, probably for uh, in total around three hours or so. We'll see, we'll see how things go. Uh, but tonight, 7.30 Eastern time. So for those asking, tonight, 7.30 Eastern time, we will have the third annual Wednesday Raven Awards. The, the event is live, so you can uh, click the remind button over on that event. Click the like button if you want to. Things like that. But that'll be around 7.30. And that stream will go probably for about two to two and a half hours max. Because it's, as you can see, going to be a pretty long day. Uh, Babo Yogi is in the chat. Uh, Sir Cummings, worth the third. What's going on? <laughs> uh, we got Bruce in the chat. Gmonkey76 is here too. What is going on? Uh, let's see. Hunky chunky funky monkey. Yes, this is a reasonable hour for you. He's one of the, the UK brethren over there. Thank you for being here. Pat S says, I'm glad someone is being saved from Washington State. Yes. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. And we have, uh, you know, one of the other chosen who we have on the channel uh, who is in that neck of the woods as well, right in the in the Washington, Oregon area. Uh, ZK man, I know that he's also uh, looking to to get out of that of that area of the country, uh, and he also would uh, would like to be here, but he's he's dealing with some some uh, some injuries that are that are flaring back up, so he might join us uh, later if he can. But shout out to him, of course. Want to shout out all of my chosen, whether they are here or whether they are simply here in spirit. And let me see, Mr. Roy's popping in the chat, absolutely. Uh, GMonkey76 says, saw two great movies this month, the best of 2021. So far for him, that's Nobody and Sahara, starring Humphrey Bogart from 1943. At first I was like, there's a new Sahara? I didn't think so. But now that you mentioned 43, that makes a little bit more sense for sure. Uh, and uh, let's see. Stephanie B says, well done on Shavasana. Well, hey, that's, that's all I know. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kari Tharp says, I love being an aunt. My oldest nephew turned 21 last Wednesday. Nice. Um, yeah, my oldest nephew, the oldest of my nieces and nephews, I think is around seven years old. So still enjoying them as, as little children. Uh, Laura's excited and happy that I got to see nobody. Yes. Uh, that probably will come up a little bit later. And yeah, shout out to everybody. And since this is a chosen uh, strat, uh, strat, it is a chosen chat. You've never <laughs> been a part of these streams before. The main focus goes to the chosen. And so there's going to be comments and questions you may have that I'm not going to be able to read. As it says down there right now, it says the chosen deserve my full attention. And they indeed do. So uh, don't double post things thinking that I'm waiting for people to double post things for questions. Just know that in general, I typically will read if any questions between uh, comments or between sections, uh, members comments. But if you want to just sit back, relax, and of course, talk with each other, have great conversations with each other in the chat, you're more than welcome to do so. And uh, with that being said, we also have, uh, we're also over on D live as well. And uh, so far, a couple of people watching over there, just a new follower over there. And uh, he won't be able to actually say anything for about an hour because that's just the only way we can keep DLive uh, in check is if they can't post their uh, Turkish propaganda right away because that's typically <laughs> that's typically what it is over there. All right, let's go ahead and talk about some movies and shows and anything else that The Chosen have been consuming the last, uh, the last few weeks because it's been a little over a month or roughly a month since our last stream. So, Mr. Roy, what you been watching, man? Uh, I haven't been able to watch it too much. Um, I watched the trial of the Chicago 7 on Netflix. Hmm. What'd you think? Uh, I think the movie by itself is actually good, mm -hmm. but the history's bad. <laughs> yeah. And I actually, because you may know more about the history than I do, because like, that's just not my... Like that's I I am much more about like medieval history, medieval European history. When it comes to like modern American history, that's just not my my strong suit really. Uh, and I because I'd seen the movie as well over the last couple of months, and so I had the same reaction where I'm like, this is a really well made movie, and I believe it was written by Aaron Sorkin and maybe even directed too. But he's a great writer. So yeah, what were some of the issues with the history? Um. It's actually, I didn't live during that time period, so it's actually kind of hard to find accurate history of mm -hmm. what actually happened during that trial. The One of the sources I think I could 
go to would be there was a movie made back in 1987 mm. called. Let me see if I can find the title of it. Yeah, the, the, the conspiracy, the trial of the Chicago Eight. Okay, which is a more accurate, um, like made for TV movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but overall, I mean, the movie by itself is really good. It's yeah, good direction, good writing, good acting. I mean, it'll, yeah, I mean, it's good enough where it got me interested in actually looking up some of the history of this actual event. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, it's always difficult, I think, when modern day directors and writers take on movies especially from very tense times in history right where there where there was clearly a lot of tension because typically our modern day view is very much tainted by the kind of like the uh oh what's the word i'm looking for uh the controversy controversial nature of those times in history uh, like Laura had just said Sasha Baron Cohen did a great job playing Abby Hoffman but the movie was biased towards the defendants and i think of you know that's kind of that thing where in today's world right because we are li- looking at those events through hindsight we say of course they are the quote good guys and it's always an issue for me because it's like sometimes the people who were not like as bad as they were being portrayed by the media or anything. Sometimes that doesn't necessarily make them the heroes of the story necessarily. No, this this movie the there are it kind of reflects what's going on today. They're basically portraying them as um nonviolent protesters mm-hmm. where, you know, the actual event officers actually got hurt during this event. Yeah. So these protests these were these weren't protesters, these are riot actual rioters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. This movie got passed through Steven Spielberg and then um, Paul um, Greengrass. I mean, it, it went through several people before it actually um, got to what's his name, um, Aaron Sorkin. I, yeah, Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, and and you you would think that because I feel like Paul Greengrass could have done some unique stuff with the movie, and I don't feel like it's a story that that's not in his wheelhouse necessarily. I mean, I'm not the biggest Green, uh, you know, Paul Greengrass fan. Uh, for those that don't know, he's he's the one that started off with the Born Identity uh, series. He also did, of course, one of the most quotable has one of the most quotable lines. Even though the movie in general for me is just very mediocre, and uh, that of course would be the line: "Look at me, look at me, I'm the captain now." Uh, from uh, the movie Captain Phillips, and. Yeah. And so I feel like he could have done something. That's interesting that even Spielberg passed over it. Yeah. Uh, um, Greengrass also did um, United 93, which I ah, think that's is right. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Which uh, is I, probably one of my favorite movies for him, mm. to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, that's a tough one, too. I mean, because like that one for me, I'm always just very like I'm always mixed on United 93 because it's. They're making a movie, meaning they're making a, they're making a product to sell for money about one of these terrible events in our history where Americans Americans were killed. But then at the same time, it's telling their story and trying to tell it in the in the most accurate way possible. So it's like my my heart always gets like tugged and and always gets torn on on movies like that. Right? It's one thing to do United ninety three where you're trying to pay respect to. And, and show the heroism that was on display during these terrible events in history. Whereas in a movie like Remember Me, 
with Robert Pattinson, the the writer of that movie decided to say, hey, let me use 9-11 instead as a plot device to make you feel something. For those that have never seen Remember 90, uh, sorry, Remember Me, uh, spoiler warning, at the end, uh, Robert Pattinson's character makes amends with his father, and he's in his father's office, and so then all of a sudden, they're just showing his face, they back out of the window, and where is he? Oh, he's in one of the two towers, and then all of a sudden, what do they have come on on the bottom of the screen? Oh, the date, which is 9-11. And so basically, they use 9-11 as a way to try and make you feel something, and you're like, that's low. That That's just, that's clearly using that for emotional manipulation. Whereas in the 993, I think, again... It seems like there's that split where obviously they're making this movie because they know people will want to go watch it to see the story and to hear the story and to, you know, maybe in their way, pay respect to the lives of those people. But then at the same time, you're like, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck on films like that. Yeah, it, it's a story that I don't think a lot of people actually know. They kind of mm-hmm. forgot about when, it, when you compare it to the actual Twin Towers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I do remember. I think they donated to the actual United ninety three Memorial. Oh, good. So I think that's probably the major reason why that actually got built. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, when, it, when it comes to that film, it's, it's probably the film I point to when people say, "Hey, Hollywood can't make a technically accurate movie based mm-hmm. on a true event." I point to that movie usually mm-hmm. and say, "Hey, yeah, I think they can." <laughs> yeah, because I want to say a lot of that script was based off of. It was just based off of what the video calls and recordings we had at the time, and they basically tried to build what likely happened from those like actual audio recordings and those actual uh, firsthand accounts that we did have at the time. Yeah, they also interviewed every um, mm-hmm. victim's family, the ones that actually listened to some of the flight recorders that the directors actually couldn't listen to. <laughs> mm, okay. Again, to get insight into what actually happened. <laughs> yeah, so that that makes me always give a little bit more credit to the directors and the creatives behind it because it shows that they they tried and also that they seem to have like they cared enough to actually seek out those people whereas there's other movies where I can't think of one off the top of my head but like they will, you know, they'll tell a story and then they won't even ask the people who would have had the best knowledge of it and they'll almost I- ignore it completely. Um, I, I know that there was something, something recently happened in like, in either like politics or in religion. Oh, I, I know what it, I know what it was. Um, so just to get a little, uh, it's similar. It, it's, 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 there is a point to it, but there was in the Catholic church, there was this Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, uh, who was a, a sexual abuser and they spent years putting together what's called the McCarrick report. And one of the glaring omissions from that report was the was the report from the guy who he abused. So it's like you have all of these like cardinals and bishops giving their take on it and then you're they're missing key talking points and key information from the guy who actually was one of the whistleblowers because he was actually a victim of the cardinal from like 40 50 years previously. So it's like I hate when they do that, right? When when movies or anyone tell a story and then leave out key details or, or don't actually interview the people that you should to get the full story. Mm-hmm. Glad to hear United 93 did it right though. And again, Paul and Greengrass, even though I'm not the biggest fan of, as I said, Captain Phillips, I think he's a very talented guy and it sounds like he cares a lot about the projects he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you able to watch anything else? Uh, watch love and monsters. Yeah. What'd you think? 
it's okay. Okay. Just okay? Uh, it's okay. I mean, it's not groundbreaking. Uh, I, I, I can even give that much. It's not a groundbreaking movie, but yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it for the most part until a certain scene, which mm-hmm. um, I don't talk about. Spoiler, spoiler alert if for anyone that hasn't seen it. Yeah, um, I enjoyed most of the movie coming up until the um, the yacht. Okay. And they revealed that the yacht was pulled by some kind of crab. Okay. You didn't like that? It didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Oh, I, yeah, I mean, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, it's like, yeah, um, we can't power this boat by fossil fuels yet. We could generate electricity to shock this crab. <laughs> but the crab. Also, okay. Um, when, you shock, when you shock the crab, <laughs> how's, how's the crab know what direction to go? Um,. Well, I will say this much. That crab looked pretty awesome, didn't it? Yeah, it looked awesome. I mean, like before I get to that, I will say this much. And this is this is I think this is the reason why I love the movie so much, like more so than other people typically would, is because the movie was made for like thirty million dollars and their CGI looks better than like ninety percent of the movies that come out and have come out the last twenty years. It's like how how do you like wh- whatever team did the visual effects for that movie should be hired for every single movie this point forward because that's how you yeah, do it right. Yeah, it's literally the only Oscar I think I agree with yeah. when it comes to like visual effects. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's for thirty million. It's really good visual effects. Yeah, even they they CGI the dog at some points. It's kind of hard to tell. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. It, that's that, well. That's what happens when you use a CGI dog and you mix it with a real dog. And it, you... <laughs> Unlike some other films with Harrison Ford. Uh... <laughs> Hi guys. What's going uh, on, Rosetta? I'm just dealing with stuff. <laughs> you got a little kitty cat. This is yeah, Athena. This is the one that had her surgery a few weeks ago. Oh, how's she doing? Well, I'm no cone and mostly healed oh. in the first girl I'm back from having her head cut up there. Oh, and she looks happy. Yeah, she's very affectionate. Yeah, she's like, hello, mama. She used the cone to beat up Ornery. Oh, no. beat her in the head with it repeatedly. She was just, like, swinging her. <laughs> I know she that. used it as a ram against her. <laughs> Animals are just the funniest creatures. Yes, Athena, I know. <laughs> the world revolves around you. <laughs> well, Rosetta, we'll, we'll uh, get your intro going uh <laughs> once once we uh once we get through the rest of uh, mr roy's movies oh go for it <laughs> all right um yeah so getting back to about this crab mr roy uh we're, we're talking about love and monsters um yeah it's i think it's it's that's the kind of thing in the film where that's where you have to just, just suspend you know your disbelief and yeah, that, that was that was the major i think yeah because most of the film is kind of grounded in realism like yeah. you can kind of believe these these characters are going through this event and then you get to the crowd scene and it kind of it kind of to me it pulled me out of the movie i was like yeah this yeah. is kind of much too much <laughs> <laughs> i feel like the way they handled it though is that the electric shock is what keeps the crab in control and i want to say and i have to watch it again to know for sure but i want to yeah, say oh. there were some kind of reins to like guide the direction uh, uh, those one check. Uh, by the way, when they shock the mm. crab when they're on the boat, how do they not shock themselves since they're in water? Also, yeah, 
that's a i guess the i guess the defense that i don't know much about boats and electricity but i'm wondering if boats are able to withstand or or be able to like dispel electric charge or something i don't know depends on how they're built okay. if they're properly sealed wood they won't have much electricity to get through but they could uh, get a little burned. all i know is uh, i've been out on aluminum boats fishing <laughs> and if you you see lightning, you better go in the water. That's why I said if it's a, if it's properly done wood, it's yeah. okay. Otherwise, no. <laughs> yeah. So this sounds like it would have been I think I think it would have been since it was a yacht, yeah. there would have been a lot of yeah. materials in there to dispel the electric charge, but that's just that's just what I think. Yeah, no, yeah, that, yeah. that's just a, I mean over I mean, I recommend the movie. I mean, you get to watch it. I appreciate you sending me that four K though. Did it look good in the four K? Yeah, it looked real good in 4K. Yeah, it's again, it's one of those movies, you know, where I feel that it was just such a it was such a surprise because the movie is called Love and Monsters, which when you think about it, you're like, that's a terrible name. That just sounds awful. Like it just sounds like a a, a Twilight era movie. It's like, oh great, it's gonna be a, a love story dealing with monsters. But then you realize that the way I described it was that it's it kind of reminds me a little bit of Zombieland. Because there's that there's that sense of like this this like young little quirky kid who's trying to figure things out, but it's also different enough where it's not it's it's clearly not a it's not like a shot for shot remake of you know telling a different story. Um, it's just very it's very consistent, I think, in just being its own unique unique tale. But the thing that just grabbed me, the th- the reason why I loved it so much, was because of again what they were able to do with such a low budget. Um, especially with the with the effects. But I can respect those those are good criticisms, and you know it's it's. I've heard other criticisms um, or defenses of criticisms from other recent movies that were terrible. That is a good for anyone watching. That's how you make a good criticism because those are legit questions that need to be answered. So thank you, Mr. Roy for actually for, oh. <laughs> for pointing out actual <laughs> legit questions that should be answered. Yeah. At least they didn't go with the original name of the film. It was originally called monster problems. <laughs> I kind of wish oh. they had now. That would have been fantastic. <laughs> Dude, they should have made like an old school. You know how in the in the olden days, like for trailers, like they would have always like that voiceover and it was always really cheesy. They've got problems. They've got monster problems coming out November of 20. 20- like that to me, that would have made it even better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you saw Love and Monsters. Glad you watched it. Glad that you were able to at least appreciate those those awesome visual effects. Um, and uh, what else have you been able to watch? That's pretty much it for new stuff. Uh, okay. Rewatched the um, Ten Commandments in 4K. Yeah, I remember because uh, yeah, uh, Mister Roy's awesome. He sends me the the 4K codes so I can collect them together to do for uh, to use for giveaways. So I appreciate that, Mister Roy, for you always doing that. And so, how did it look in the 4K? It's really good. It is probably one of the best 4Ks I've seen transfer from film. It's mm-hmm. really just really good looking. That's what uh, I've heard. Uh, probably the best thing of it is the color. They they actually fix it in this this version. The um, Alfie knows about the Blu-ray. The um, the the characters when they you look at them, it looks like they kind of have this kind of weird orange kind of like tan they actually fixed that in this oh. version it looks it looks actually natural looking <laughs> nice yeah I always love hearing about bad Blu-ray transfers because it's always just intriguing like what went into the mind of the person 
doing the transfer that led to like led to that kind of a change uh the thing that always gets me is like the the most notorious for those for those that don't follow blu-ray news the most notoriously bad transfer is always been known to be t2 um both the blu-ray and unfortunately the 4k transfer because somehow uh james Cameron decided to play with the colors and, and make it like really i think it's blue is is the tone that he goes with like to an insane degree but i always love hearing about when transfers are done correctly so 4K transfer yeah, he, of Ten Commandments done right, you say? Yeah. Also, on the tarp, they Chase Cameron used some kind of filter to go over the grain, so there's no grain throughout the movie. Yeah. It just it looks too modern looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, geez, James Cameron is addicted to blue. Who could have guessed that? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say James Cameron too addicted to raising the bar. Uh, it's a South Park reference for anyone that watched. But one of the best episodes of South Park, they make fun of James Cameron where he always has to raise the bar. And then they have a James Cameron song. And he has to go and literally go. He has to go to the bar. So, oh, 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 it's such a great episode. So, basically, the bar has been lowered. So, it's like this ethereal other bar. It's just how it's known. The bar has been lowered in, in society and culture so low that only James Cameron can can lift the bar can raise the bar and the bar is all the way down in like the mariana trench so he's you, you see him and he's in his little submarine and he's like i can't quite see the bar yet and and then in the background the song is playing james cameron and then it's just all crazy <laughs> oh if you've not watched it uh look look that up but uh <laughs> but i'm glad to hear going back to to mr roy what you had said about uh the 4k transfer i imagine because it's such a high quality transfer and the movie is so long. Were they able to fit it on one disc, or is it it's a two discs? Yeah, that's surprisingly. It's on one disc. What? Wow. Yeah, they. I, it's not the first one I've seen. Schindler's List is also on one disc. Yeah, it's over three. It's over three hours. Also, Schindler's List. I know because I I did a. I, I put that into my library more recently on 4K, and I want to say that 4K was like the movie was like eighty five to ninety gigs i can only imagine yeah. the size that 10 10 commandments is on 4k yeah i, I had you looked yet <laughs> but i'm glad to hear that it's a good transfer and i always yeah you know film transfers if they're done right are typically the best transfers you can get because i mean uh, i'm always just amazed when they are able to get the quality up there Yeah, because they even did it they did this back when they did the blue right they did basically did a six can 6k scan of the uh, original this division um 35 millimeter print mm-hmm. and they used that on the, the blu-ray actually looks really good it's just the color slightly off on it it's okay probably the only issue with it yeah uh when they did yeah. the 4k transfer they actually i believe paramount hired technicolor to go back through the film and actually fix it <laughs> nice that's awesome i i always love hearing when they went because you know at some point i'm gonna get you know a, a, a legit i talked to to john flickinger about it all the time he's like you need to get the lg oled tv you need to get the 65 70 inch lg oled in order to see a movie like it needs to be seen and i'm here like I'll I'll get there eventually, man. I, I it's 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 okay. I'm I'm fine with my kind of fake 4K TV for now. Um, <laughs> but it's it's always exciting to hear that though because eventually I I do plan on having that and I do plan on being able to just it's to see a movie in the best possible way, like the best quality that you could ever see a specific movie. There's just something that's awesome about that. 
right? Because, you know, nowadays you go to the theater and sometimes the bulb isn't quite right or you have a Blu-ray or, or God forbid, a DVD transfer and, and it's just, just, you know, the quality is just terrible. It's just like when you get to see something the way it was meant to be seen, something excites me about that. Yeah. Yeah. Any other older films that you were able to watch? Uh, Wally. How does, especially in modern day world, how how does Wally hold up for you? It holds up quite well, mm-hmm. except for the 4K. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> what what they do with the 4K? It it looks like an upscale Blu-ray. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, so it's still the best version of the movie. It just looks like an upscale movie to me. Yeah. It, it, I don't know if that's from the transfer or for the fact that Wally's probably not a natural 4k digital film and then this ups that i i can't tell but it just doesn't look crisp to me (laughs) i would if i had to guess i would say that the original film was because and this is true of typical live action films where there's uh cgi typically those are always uh rendered in 2k resolution because when you think about it, it takes a long time. Even if you have the best equipment in the world, it takes a long time for those effects to render. Let alone if you had those in 4K originally, that means it would take twice the amount of time. And obviously, a lot of films tend to be on certain time schedules. Is that still Athena? Nope. Athena got down and Ornery took her place. Oh, look at Ornery. Oh, but Ornery's so cute, too. I know. Ornery. I'm trying to find there's a great website for anyone that that loves 4K titles and wants to to learn yeah. more about like yeah. what legit 4K is versus not legit 4K. Uh, there's this website called 4kmedia.org and it actually goes into what a real 4K movie is versus a fake 4K. So I'm actually looking that up now. And according to this, Wally is indeed fake 4K. So um yeah. and and the reasoning is that typically as I said Certain movies are only filmed because of visual effects in 2K resolution. And because that's digital, that means the only thing you can do with it is upscale it to 4K at that point. Whereas with an actual 35mm print, you can get a 4K image of that 35mm print and get all that extra detail. And therefore, that's why older films transfer better. Because if you have a two... Basically, that's the one... That's the biggest issue with digital filmmaking today is that that is the best that it's going to ever get. It's it's never going to get better than what and how they film it because the only thing they can do is upscale it from there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah the, it's also a kind of a war. D- Disney in general just doesn't release good 4Ks at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so you like some the early animated movies like, believe the lion king's a good transfer but like aladdin it's mm-hmm. kind of terrible yeah they they screw up the hdr on it <laughs> didn't they also di- didn't disney for some of their older films also reanimate or like like redo the animation or something so um on their streaming service they i believe it's uh leo and stitch mm-hmm. they reanimate a scene where they're in the their laundry room yeah, they reanimate it so that the girl doesn't hide inside of a dryer oh that's right oh i heard that I they turned it that. they turned it into a pizza box yeah a pizza, oh, yeah, box. A pizza box 
And it's Ugh. like, yeah, and uh, and it's because they didn't want kids to get inspired to go and put themselves in a dryer. Yeah. It's just like, really, Disney? Of all the things to worry about, it's not the the shooting laser guns, right? It's not it, that's nothing to be concerned with. But how about the voodoo dolls that she's creating? Of the other girls trying to drown them in acid. Oh, is that? I, it's been so long since I've seen Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, Does that a happen? Literally, a part where she creates a jar of pickle acid. If she's making voodoo dolls, it's stuffing it in the jar. And the, and the guy looks at her and goes, and she looks up at him and goes, "My friends needed to out," and starts shaking the jar. <laughs> that's okay. That's totally like, fine. That, that's okay. That's, that's okay. fine. But but no, we we can't have a child getting into a dryer because real children might try and get into dryers. And somehow turn the dryer on themselves from inside. Like, that's the other thing, too. It's like, how would you even get hurt? Because, one, you can't turn the dryer on from inside the dryer. And two, if someone was going to use the dryer, you have to open it up to put clothes in. You're going to see a child in in the dryer. I mean... Sorry for you when we're not on air later. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay. Gotcha. Oh man, oh man, but yeah, uh, but it's interesting, yeah. And the, uh, to answer the question that you mentioned, Mister Roy, about Disney's not having good transfers, it makes a lot of sense actually when you remember that, especially like past like nineteen ninety, like eight, early two thousands, all of their movies have been, other than the live actions, have been CGI. Right. All, all of them have been CGI animation. And so therefore, because a lot of those movies were only ever rendered at the 2K resolution, it means that that's the best you're ever going to get. And when you go to films like even the Avengers or uh, their more modern live action where there's a lot of CGI stuff in it, because a lot of those movies also the highest that those visual effects were ever rendered was 2K. You also fall into the same trap as well, where it falls into that technically for uh, fake 4K category. And also, I don't believe Disney wants to take the time and effort into color correcting their films for HDR. So a lot of their, it's basically half and half when it comes to their animated movies. Half yeah. of them will be okay, and then the other half of them, the, the colors will be off on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, uh, Tina had a great also, comment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they never go down. The only reason I bought the Wally because it went down to like eighteen dollars on Amazon. They never go down on their four Ks. They're usually around thirty dollars a pop, and they're not worth the cheapest at all. from official. Yeah. Like the cheapest from the official, like yeah. vendors like Amazon and and Best Buy is I think sixteen dollars. Yeah, it's it's insane what they charge for their four Ks. Mm-hmm. And then maybe on a Black Friday they'll have a they'll have a rare film for like ten bucks or something, but then it, it's like gone immediately and, and they don't ever like restock it or, or have it again at that price. And yeah, that's why I always recommend, especially if you're you know as uh, not a fan of Disney as a lot of us here. Hashtag Duck Fisney. Um, as a Disney sucks. Disney sucks. They really they really, really suck. suck. Yes, they do. Then you can always, obviously, always buy them secondhand from places like eBay or get them used. Because there are some, I understand, like there's classic films that we want to watch again and we want to see them in the best quality possible. And we also don't want to give our money directly to an evil corporation. So I totally, I totally get that. Uh, anything else, Mr. Roy, that you've been watching? Maybe shows. That reminds me, actually. Ooh. I've, I've wondered what they've done since 
they bought Fox and they put Simpsons on Disney Plus because there's a scene in one of the episodes literally where Bart puts these little cups on his head, starts running around like he's Mickey Mouse, going, "I'm the mascot of an evil corporation." I someone That's out the there. Sim- Go ahead. Is that the Simpsons movie? No, the Simpsons. All of Simpsons is on Disney Plus stuff. So I'm wondering what they did with that scene or or the episode which was literally spoofing different Disney movies while no, they had a Claude lawyers representing <laughs> the Disney lawyer. No, I want to say that actual scene is from the actual um, Simpsons movie. Oh. Oh, that was in an episode too. Because he did, he did, they did a lot of shots at Disney, and I'm well, wondering what they did with those. Here, here's the thing, and I know there might be some Simpsons fans still out there, um, but when you've been on the air for probably 15 years longer than you should have been on, uh, <laughs> at least uh, you're going to have a lot of episodes that are going to cover a lot of things. Like my, One of my favorite things to see is all things that the Simpsons have predicted. Because it's kind of funny to see how many things, because well, of how many I wish ideas. They had predict- it I wish was they had predicted when they're going show. off the freaking air. It was a good show in the early seasons. Oh yeah, for sure, and for sure. Up, in, up until the movie, even and the movie and the episodes right around it and those seasons right before and after still took shots at both sides. Still didn't mm-hmm. play ball with either side. But it's like right at when they switched all the TVs to the new. High- high def and stuff on mm. and 2010 is when they went fully woke mm. and started getting just trash and right around season 20 it's kind of sad and, when you said like right around season 20 <laughs> and it really yeah. turned really bad then and yeah. it's like okay just stop and I've, ever since then i just keep going can you please just end it Half of the whatever, actors don't even agree with what it's saying anymore they just whatever feel, they feel season lied. has the um principal skinner episode that's when most simpsons fans agreed that the show died that was the episode where it turns out skinner is not who he claims he is oh Uh, that one actually was pretty early in the show and well that's when that's when a lot of the fans Mm. think that the show died because i've seen a lot of youtubers discuss that and say yeah that's when the show really started to go down yeah to be fair a lot of the people i know who cite that as it didn't really watch much of any episodes after that because mm-hmm. when you actually cite places where they made fun of both sides or stuff after that then there's this whole thing where they go i never saw or heard of that well okay there is some argument to you hated that episode so you quit watching it's still good in some of this stuff after mm-hmm. um they had one actually in 2008 during the election which really made fun of both parties and it literally turned into both parties trying to get Wiggum to, not Chief, Ralph Wiggum to run as their candidate because their candidates were worse. <laughs> and it was really hardcore making fun of both sides. It's like, what happened to that side of Simpsons? Because that hasn't existed mm. since 2010. Well, yeah, I, I think that a lot of people, uh, for me, I think in, in the culture, at least for American culture, I think a lot of people probably would agree that 2008 to 2009 was when things started to really kind of start to have a, a major yeah. change in the culture. Um, and I, I mentioned that year because people usually ask, like, when did the Oscars become, like, unbearable? 
because they've always been political. Like even going, you can go back to like the forties, fifties, right? And there's, there was politics there too. Like as far as like, especially behind the scenes stuff, but when did it become like unbearable because of not just the nominees, but also random speeches and even the host and people presenting awards started getting involved. Like 2008, 2009 was when that really started to, to ramp up. But going back to what both you and Tina were saying, uh, I feel like for any show, especially a show as long winded as Simpsons, I feel like there's always going to be different camps, right? There's going to be some people that say, you know, for me, my head cannon stops here. Or for he- for me, my head cannon stops there. Because everyone's going to have like different things that for them are like the, the end point as far as they can go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, to me, it's literally, I don't care. The humor style changed off and on constantly throughout yeah. the show every season or two. That, okay, that's fine. What kills it to me is when you're no longer taking shots at both sides but your propaganda then i mm-hmm. can't tolerate you whatever you are yeah <sighs> absolutely uh mr roy anything anything else you wanted to add no that's it okay uh before getting to the to the chat and then of course we'll, we'll introduce rosetta mm-hmm. uh we have a super chat coming in uh, a little while ago from michael skewiff so hope you're hopefully still watching sir thank you very much for the uh, i'm always gonna mess this up the 10 uh i'm just gonna say the 10 euro pound um, just to cover my bases, the 10 euro pound super chat. I appreciate it. Uh, he says, I saw Wonder Woman for the first time this morning and I liked it, but would you recommend the second one before I rent it? Well, first off, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you enjoyed the first one. I, I was mixed on the first one because the CGI is just, there's, ah, there's, there's issues with that first one. I gave it a B minus though. It's, it's, again, it's, it's okay, right? It's okay. However, I can confirm the second one is trash. The second one is terrible. I think I ended up giving it like either an F or a D plus. I gave it a very low grade. And it's it's a movie that universally most people, both fans of the DCEU and non-fans of the DCEU, can collectively come together on and say, this wasn't that good of a movie. The way that I like to describe it, because to me, this is like, this is a standard that I think is is a pretty... It's a pretty safe one. If my wife, who is much more of a, let me put it this way. My wife and I, I love my wife and she loves me. We are, we're very different people, especially when it comes to uh, even like our political views. If she hates a movie that I also hate, typically that's a sign that the movie's just bad. Because some would argue saying for me, oh, your political ideology might impact your view. And that might be true for certain things. But when my wife, who would be much more likely to align more so with movies that would fit into this kind of a category, if even she's like, this is not good. And to the point of us laughing as we watch the movie, it's it's not good. So I would say don't rent it. It's not worth your money. It's not worth your time. If you happen to have HBO Max, eventually it's going to come back to HBO Max. And so you'll be able to watch it then without paying anything extra for it. But to go out of your way to rent it, I would say, is a waste of not just money, but time as well. So just to answer that question, Michael Skewiff. Did anyone else? Uh, Tina, did you get to see uh, Wonder Woman 84? Yes, thanks to Mahler doing his twelve. That's right. Hours that's right. Straight. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm not exaggerating. I think it ran twelve hours, but that was the only way I got to see the movie mm-hmm. was him doing that. And it's just 
bad on every level, mm-hmm. every single level. Um, yeah, I and especially the griping stuff. And oh yeah, yeah. Patty Jenkins trying to excuse that, and uh, I started hearing people saying things that I was like, yeah. I kind of agree with that because Patty Jenkins is based on some of Patty Jenkins comments about what well, Wonder Woman never kills. And they were like, well, didn't she see the first movie? There were people <laughs> flying through brick walls and stuff. What movie was she looking at? Yeah. And then the rumors started coming out that kind of like Poltergeist back in the eighties, Spielberg directed a lot of it, but he let mm. Hooper have the credit for it. I started hearing rumors that, yeah, you know, Zack Snyder's the one who directed most of Wonder Woman, but they gave Patty Jenkins the official credit. And I was like, well, that may be why she doesn't know Wonder Woman kills people. She didn't <laughs> see the movie. <laughs> also, it would make a lot of sense, too, because we all know Zack Snyder has no problem with uh, heroes that typically in more modern iterations don't kill actually killing like with Batman. Uh, for instance. Right, right. But yeah, yeah cool. that was, thank you, Mahler. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, were you ever able to see it, Rosetta? Which ones? Uh, 101.84? No, I saw the first one and liked it okay, even though mm-hmm. there were a couple moments that made me go, what the crap? Yeah. <laughs> but it was still decent. Mm-hmm. The yeah. second one, I saw a few of the scenes online and I went, screw this, I'm not watching it. Yeah. <laughs> Best part of the movie, I think, is a line that is actually a really great meme, and it's it's the line from Pedro Pascal: "Life is good, but it could be better." I don't know. I just I like that line. <laughs> I like it because it's just there, there's so much you can do with it. Like uh, like they've they've obviously done a lot of fun Star Wars stuff with it. Like they've done this is good, but it could be better, right? And they've been able to like show like different characters and stuff. So I, I like it for its memeing ability. Uh, let's and then Mr. Roy, you were able to see it, right? Uh, no, nah, I, I saw Mauler's coverage over there. Well, there you go. I think that's I think that speaks volumes, uh, Michael Skew. If you weren't convinced by my thoughts, then that that should that sh- that should be convincing. I think. Uh, let's see, Sharon's in the chat. Sharon, Sharon Ferguson, what's going on? Uh, she said, huh, fascinating. I think that was about the, the 4K discussion. 4K, yeah, because yeah, yes. I didn't know that either. Yeah, a lot of people uh, don't typically know. I, that's the kind of stuff I love to learn, and I love to learn uh, more about as well. Um, Father says, I saw Pixar is going to cast a 14-year-old trans yes. girl for a new movie. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I I saw an image of that story, so I have not been able to actually see where it came from or if it's from, like, a legitimate source or if it's just a rumor. So I can't speak to that because I just haven't seen it. But has anyone seen the actual news story? I forgot who covered it. It was either Clownfish yeah. or it's one of the channels that stays on top of Disney. But mm-hmm. when I heard it, I was like, yeah, that sounds legit. Yeah, I just think that because they cover that they, they cover stories like that because they obviously have a very you know heavy interest in Disney in general as as being because they still have stock right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I thought so, and um, so obviously they care a lot about you know what what happens with Disney and they they get a lot of inside information because of that very reason. Um, I just feel like when I saw the picture because I know it was getting shared around social media, I was like. 
this looks like it could be fake. Like as far as like the actual like story or or, or uh, the cast listing. So it's like I would rather wait for them because you know mainstream media outlets would like if it's, it was true they would be praising it like so yeah. if once that happens if it hasn't already that's when i'm gonna be like okay this this is legit for now i think it might just still be in that that rumor territory but again it wouldn't surprise a lot of us right um let's see rosie g12 just dropped a super chat thank you very much rosie g12 for the 20 dollars super chat says sorry i was late to the party no problem rosie g12 no problems at all uh, Eric K, who's a member, says, if a child was in the dryer, do not forget the door does not lock. You dry shoes in it, and sometimes the door pops open. Yes. Um, though I think sometimes when when it's actually on, some dryers do lock. Um, I think some have added that feature for that very reason, Eric K. But as I said, to, to get to that point, you would have to still have opened the door to put the stuff. You, again, the chances of that happening are very low. Not to say it's impossible, because obviously <laughs> anything is yeah, possible. Kid, yeah, kids do get hurt from getting into dryers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's always funny to me, because I tell this to my kids, you know, that I teach all the time. I'm always like, because sometimes they'll mention, why do they have this warning? Or why do they have this? And I'm like, they have it because it's happened. They they Like, anytime you ever see a warning or a, like, some label weren't like giving some type of description about what something is not made for the reason why is because someone did it and say sued and they had to put that on there legally so um rob d says best buy in general is expensive especially well i will rob d i will say this much best buy does not really set that price um that that's something that's really delegated by uh the actual production companies themselves and actually to be honest, Best Buy usually has the better deals on newer films, typically. Not always, but typically. Uh, Amazon, of course, usually has the best deals in general when it comes to films, especially ones that have been out for a little while. But I feel like Best Buy typically offers some pretty good pricing. And again, that's that's more of a Disney problem than anything else. Um, let's see. Someone just said 30 don't know what that was a reference to father $30. makes a oh oh yes 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 uh father uh makes a comment here about the simpsons when's lisa going to come out as a gender queer trans man yeah uh sooner than we think i imagine oh <laughs> uh, michael skewiff came back and said that he preferred aquaman a bit more to wonder woman but the latter was still quite good yeah i will say this much i watched aquaman a second time actually with the wife uh the last few uh over the last few weeks and i will say i liked it a lot more the second time i still have issues with especially a lot of the cg but i i do even though my grade for wonder woman is higher than aquaman i will much rather watch aquaman over wonder woman if that makes any sense mm-hmm. yeah. um father comes in with 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 roasting here best part of the movie is the opening logos is that for the dc movies you're talking about father is as we father is the is captain context he's always lacking it and needs it desperately all right anyway let's go ahead and introduce the one and only rosetta allen rosetta how's it going Busy, 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 busy. Always drawing, always working on projects. I um, 
I'm actually to the point where I am almost ready to have the first of the Eagle books do test printings with a few of the print shops. So good. And I got that link that I'll be able to share for the Eagle yes, book project. Did. Yes. Uh, uh, but that's bo- mostly what I'm doing is working on that stuff. So it's sitting backstage going over that with Richard. Sometimes will when he's bored at rehab and wants someone to talk to stuff mm-hmm. like that. So nice. it's, a lot of backstage time and so a lot of old comedy movies or music while we're hanging out and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But, and and how how are the – so where are you – because I know you're working on several projects. So where are you in each of those projects that you're working on? Currently with the Eagle book, I am relaunching the mailing list. I had an issue with it and it's – I got to get all the names over because it – they pulled it down on me with the issue with it while it was dealing with hospital and medical emergencies. And I never got the list back from them. So <laughs> fortunately, <laughs> but other than that, the Eagles are pretty good. I should be able to actually launch it within the next couple months here. As long as things keep going here, mm-hmm. I've got the base parts of the Swan books already being designed. So for after the Eagles, I've got almost all the pinups collected and a about the first because every pinup I'm doing several versions of to decide which is best for it for the book and about the first 50 or so of the different color styles designed on some of them so mm-hmm. it's a lot of work and then I'm doing sketching a lot of anatomy sketching and bikini and pose shots and stuff learning how to do human figures so I can do more of the comic work myself so mm-hmm. it's usually drawing painting or working on photography <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I, I got your uh, the Twitter uh, post that you sent me. So I got the, the pinup yeah. image that you sent. So there you go with uh, with the uh, pinup collection that she has been working on here. There are also three other three other sets of original black and whites that are also available for sale that aren't on that yet that I got in the mail since then. From Luke Korski, who he does a lot of nighttime streams for CG and stuff and mm-hmm. Dillard draws and then Riot Kitty actually did a set for me. Nice. And I have the originals of those three that are going to go up for sale soon too. Very, very cool. Now I know. So these are the black and whites. Didn't you, isn't there also, cause there's the ones that are the, like the full color ones as well, right? Yeah. These are the original black and whites. Once I've gotten the um, copies, designs, all that, and all the scans and all the, images on the computer to do the printings the black and whites i no longer need for it so i'm selling those to help fund making all the color pages Mm. and then i'll sell those off to help fund the military work after i get the book put together with the shop yeah and uh for those that maybe have not been watching the last uh several months uh this project is is all about trying to raise money uh for for the military for veteran charities yeah mm -hmm. and so it's it's a very amazing cause we were again we were talking about veterans a little bit earlier today even and so it's something that i think a lot of us uh, at some point typically for most people someone in their life has served um or whether it's a family member or a friend or you know a close acquaintance we we know someone who served and we also know that a lot of them um are hurting a lot of them are not getting the help that they need or are in a position where, where they they just can't seek the help um, themselves. And so this kind of work is so very important to be able to offer them and to, to get more um, resources available for them to be able to, and, to get this work. 
Yeah, and in this culture right now that we've had with all the stuff that's happened the last year with the over dramatic lockdowns and all the stuff and the economy tanking, statistically, the veterans have suffered worse from that than other groups. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just that the veterans usually have it rougher anyways. They've had more adverse side effects because of this lockdown culture, because of post-traumatic issues, the medical mm-hmm. issues and stuff like that. So it is quite statistically worse for them than it has been for the rest of us. Which makes sense because y- you think about how a lot of, of, of these veterans, the way that they would get help in coping would be in meetings in in meeting people face to face in talking therapy and Mm -hmm. doctors and stuff like that things that these resources aren't there right now Mm -hmm. and so this is just what little i can do i look at you know memory of my grandpa and you know when we put everything together he served in some capacity including veteran volunteer work after he's too old to work any other job he served over 70 years i can do this much to memory from memory of him mm-hmm. and yeah it's it's a massive project where i'm doing most of the artwork myself and coordinating everyone myself so it's i knew when i started it at the end of last year it was going to be a probably a couple of year project i don't care it's worth it mm-hmm. absolutely and yeah. uh let me just oh i just got your 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 dm about the uh yeah <laughs> about the story yeah yeah <laughs> I see what you mean. I see what you mean for that. Uh, Not exactly what for there. But yeah, so uh, obviously Eagle Project, and uh, I posted the link to that. So if you want to sign up for the Indiegogo, it'll give you information when more from, uh, when when that project goes officially live uh, to be able to start to, to collect for that. And then, of course, there is the the pinup project that I was able to share. And aren't, isn't there? Uh, aren't you doing a sequel to a uh, comic as well? You're doing some of the artwork for that. I did cover for the Road Warrior Drake one, which has already been out. Now okay. I'm actually supposed to get the stack of the of ones with the cover I did soon. Okay. They're supposed to be in the mail. I did cover and uh, some of the extra art for Tilt Two, which is in production right now. Got mm-hmm. delayed because of different things but it's still going pretty quickly okay it was supposed to be the beginning of the year here and then i did do an extra card thing for a friend for what his comic melvin but that i don't have the link for right this moment okay. because of everything going on so yeah i am getting these little jobs off and on and they're fun nice. and do not climb on my drawing little kitty no <laughs> <laughs> no 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 but Orly. i am but i am ornery i must <laughs> I must do it. To, when I'm on the actual art cam doing streams, she likes to come over and just lay down there and then stick her face right in the camera and look at everyone out there like, me, not this. <laughs> this is the ornery show. I don't know what <laughs> what you thought you came here to see, but you've come here to see me is what I've decided. <laughs> Does she ever get to have... Because <laughs> I just, animals are, are just amazing. Does she ever accidentally maybe put her paws in ink or something or put get paw prints on things that you're working Usually on when she's allowed in here i'm only working with pencil or charcoal okay. or paints that are very tiny amounts in little things way off hard for her to reach mm-hmm. because if i'm doing the other stuff i just don't let her in the room okay. she just sits up outside the door crying oh <laughs> little kitty but i'm almost also done remodeling my old art room i haven't had available in about eight years okay awesome and so is that we're gonna nice move studio. when it's that that's completed <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm still in the 
foot of my bedroom here. Mm-hmm. This is the little corner of my bedroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've had that art room closed off since all the medical started with the cysts when I was 30. And we've just put everything in art supplies and stuff of mine in bins in that room for me to deal with when I get better while I was dealing with all the medical for years. And so it basically was a giant storeroom with the bins up to the ceiling across the entire room. Um, mm. <laughs> and I've been going through all the bins and organizing it and I'm almost done emptying it out and starting to turn it into a new office. Nice. Very cool. Are, are you going to have a, a lot more like space to get the work and all that kind of thing? I, I have multiple centers there. I'm going to have a couple different computers for different things. I'm going to have an easel cam and stuff like that set up in it when I'm done. Nice. Very, very cool. Any other projects that are in the works or about to be in the works? Mostly just if I get jobs off and on for the comics, I drop that information as it happens. Other than that, once I can get the Eagles out, I'm going to be working on the Swan book because I promised Lethal I'd do Swans after the Eagles. Okay. So that'll be interesting because I've got a lot of stuff of signets and different stages of growth and newborns swimming in the water and stuff like that. So... Okay. You said lethal that you were working with? Yeah, not working with. I promised him I'd do swans next because he, he likes swans. <laughs> what you really need to do is you need to find a way to, to fly out to see lethal and then do, <laughs> and then do a, photo shoot, a photo shoot with him with swans. Now yeah. that would be <laughs> an epic project. <laughs> Little Ordery, what are you doing? You crazy Army. kitty. <laughs> I know you like rubbing on my face. I know. <laughs> uh, Laura had said, if you put a little laptop next to uh, your cat, the cat might sit in front of it. <laughs> there is a little laptop there, but it's the one I'm using to pick out models to base the drawings on. Oh, no. <laughs> I wonder Ornery. if you, I wonder if for, for ordinary, if you had like another, like just like computer or something and just had like the camera on so that, she could see herself if she would just think that she was live on a show and she'd just be like sitting there like this is my show now I don't care what you're doing over there because all I care about is what I'm doing there's something about like that because she actually oh god she's got a fan club I'm not kidding there's actually spoof accounts of her oh there are yeah, one of them being the picture I have of her with the blanket over her head glaring Mm -hmm. out like Palpatine that somebody actually put that onto the image of Palpatine zapping somebody and called it Darth Kidious. Darth Kidious. Interesting. <laughs> that just sounds cute. It was. <laughs> and the thing is, I know who did it. I found out from it late from him later. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely one of the community's spoofers. So we'll just put that one. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. <laughs> uh, Laura has a, uh, has a point more. So saying, is it safe to have lethal and Rosetta on the same continent though? <laughs> probably not it's bad enough when we're on the same stream together we cause trouble <laughs> could definitely never have both of y'all on my, one of my streams together that's for sure oh god no <laughs> it would have to be clearly explicitly rated and by the way a couple of people are are claiming i'll have to listen back to it myself that i accidentally said a curse word um uh, that it instead did sound of that, it did sound that way maybe i said shoot but the way I said it, because sometimes I, I have like a, a, a drawl, maybe it sounded like I said something else. 
Because normally it, I'm I'm hyper aware of that because I always freak out because I'm like, oh, I just said something I shouldn't have said. It sounded that way, but it sounded like it was accidental, not yeah. actually saying the word. Like it just tongue-tied kind of thing. Yeah. And that, that can happen to me sometimes. And thank you for pointing out Orange Chat Reviews. And now I am uh, forever going to question every single word that comes out of my mouth. <laughs> <sighs> but anyway, Orange Chat, thanks for, for letting me know that. But hey, uh, Rosetta, that sounds awesome awesome have you been able to watch any movies or shows or anything mostly just watching goofy old comedies with mm. richard when i'm working so it's yeah. like i played for him anything from like the analyzed movies to old kids movies from the 40s to down periscope so i'm just playing anything that's funny and easy to watch with him while we work yeah nice. so we have a little fun absolutely absolutely because fun is what it should be about. If you're not having fun, then why why would you do it? Is what I say. Mhm. Mhm. Anything else that you want to shout out or share with us from the Sunday, life of Rosetta? Sunday nights I have a stream now that um is a few weeks old and it literally named it Sandwich Wench Rants. Sandwich where it's, it's literally me rants. making sandwiches for my husband while ranting about stupid crap that happened throughout the week to people. <laughs> Not, so it's like a current events kind of show? Yeah, with the sarcasm of me being the sandwich wench and all those running jokes. Nice. <laughs> you should make it like you should make it like incredibly, I guess, like meta or authentic. Do like black and white filter, have like a, a 19... 19- I don't know how to do that stuff. A 19... 19- a 1950s dress just to like drive everyone crazy because like you're in the kitchen you're making a sandwich and then that would just drive them even crazier because they'd say no we fought against ever having to do this i i don't know i feel like it would make the uh crazies oh it's already made the crazies i've already actually been (laughs) notified that it's been reported oh no (laughs) because it's sexist and i'm sitting there going Mm. i'm doing it myself i know (laughs) It's like, <laughs> don't you love their logic it's just it's always great well thank you as always for being here Rosetta and we'll we'll come back of course when, when we're doing our our goodbyes um mm-hmm. but let's let's see let's go to the chat before we uh, jump over to, to to tina orange Hat reviews when we were having our dceu talk says aquaman is my favorite of the dceu uh i can understand because there's definitely a lot of fun to be had in that movie i I still always go back to Shazam, though. I think Shazam is an incredibly underrated uh, film, and especially an underrated DCEU film. I mean, there's this like there's the coming of age story in there. There's really great casting as Zachary Levi, who who plays you know the older iteration of the character that's Shazam. I, I just I don't know. I feel that it it was the most fun I had had in a DC film ever. And I don't think any of the other films, for me at least, come even close. That's just my take on it, though. Uh, Michael Skewiv had said apparently Netflix is trying to reboot the Chronicles of Narnia in a serious form after Douglas Gresham and Fox Studios canceled the Silver Chair movie sequel. What are your thoughts on that? I'm going to say nay nay Um, because I don't think that those movies were really transferring well to live action. I, I, I just with the people they had involved and the biggest issue I have with that is Netflix being involved. And that's what, yeah, ne- not Netflix, not 
the company that is so in the tank with all the psycho anti-Christian stuff and exactly and behavior. No, not Netflix. Exactly. And, and that and actually you, you mentioned the, the main reason, because even if it wasn't Netflix, even if it was like another major studio, like if it was like even Sony or, or Disney or whoever, that would be my biggest concern is I don't think anyone in today's modern marketplace where we talk about with the major studios, I don't think any of them would get someone who would have the creative lens or willpower to keep the Christian elements in the film. Instead, what we would get would be just like with what happened with A Wrinkle in Time. Because A Wrinkle in Time, it was a movie, or rather it's a, it's a, it's a story, it's a book that is very much filled with Christian imagery. The, the author was herself very uh, passionate Christian and the Christian imagery was purposefully in the film. Have, you have actually you have the books in that series, by the way. What was that? Have you read the rest of the books in that? I have series, not read the, the rest of the books in that series. Okay, the whole series has a lot of biblical references, but the fourth mm-hmm. book in the time quint, the five books, mm-hmm. is named Many Waters. It is literally about the twins screwing with their dad's science experiment and sending themselves back to the time of Noah and have them be there and witness the ark being built. Oh wow. And, so you want to talk about obvious Christian writer. Well, also, um, I mean, with the first one, since that's the only one that they've made the live action version of, mm-hmm. um, in the book, there is this constant repetition of a quote from scripture. Mm-hmm. And so when the live action film by Ava DuVernay, who is a hack of a director, um, when they made it, they completely de-Christianized it. Instead, yeah. they they put in, and I think there's a good, I think there's a good connection that one can make as to the fact that they decided to cast Oprah in that movie and make her oh. role much bigger than what it was in the book, and it's because they were putting her. It was because they were putting her feel good, you know, a spirituality that she has into the yeah. film in lieu mm-hmm. of the Christian, and it, it because it completely dechristianized the story. It was garbage it lost the entire value with that too the second they said they were hiring her and they were hiring this people for a mixed race black family yeah. it takes from the books again mm-hmm. if you've read the other books in swiftly tilting planet they mm-hmm. are dealing with traveling back and forth through time into different people to try to prevent a dictator from rising and killing the earth mm-hmm. part of that involves going in time into the brother of Calvin's mother. You remember mm. Calvin, the one that Meg marries? I think so. It's it's been a while since I've read the book because I don't and really count the movie. <laughs> you find out why his mother was as screwed up as she was. Mm. It literally deals in that story with the anti Irish, anti redhead bigotry, and mm. her brother was literally beaten to death by their stepfather. Oh wow. So, yeah, let's talk about because, yeah, and- when you start race swapping this group, the entire story, both Meg's family and Calvin's deals with bigotry against different white groups that happen through history in their heritage and in the storyline written to them. That's interesting. Yeah, because I, so I, I, I race swap. It was absolutely yeah. offensive to me. Yeah, so since I had not read those other books and known that they actually deal with anti-Irish, uh, anti-Irish specifically bigotry. Um, that obviously changes very much the dynamic of of how big that kind of a change is. Because when it comes to most movies, for me, if there's a random character or two where they're not exactly how they're described in the book, for me, it's like as long as they 
are able to like embody like the actual characterization that that to me is, is what's most important. Yeah. A but, little appearance difference yeah. is one thing when you go to, he was supposed to be your typical redheaded Irish athlete. Yeah. And his mother was mentally ill and insane because of the grief she went through when her brother was beaten to death in front of her. Mm-hmm. That you can't race swap stuff like that. There's yeah. a reason for it. Unless their plan, and and th- oh, I guarantee this is what it was, is that they thought Ava DuVernay was going to come in, was going to totally rechange the vibe of the film. It was going to be a massive hit, which it wasn't. It lost lots of money. It was going to spawn a series. And then when they got to those parts, what were they going to be able to do? Make it about American struggle, about you know what it means to be biracial and things like that. Which again, in and of itself... That's it's a story. A that's a story worth telling. It's not this story, though. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm pale as hell biracial. I can tell you the crap exists on both sides yeah. when you're in that situation. But that wasn't what this story was. Yeah. And if you want that story, write your own. Exactly. But you having these communist and socialist people making a movie where you think about what Kamzat was. Mm. Think about what happened in that world. And think about what it was trying to do. It was trying to manipulate people to think equal meant you had to live the same life. Mm-hmm. To try to steal individuality and kill people. Yeah. That's what made it evil. That yep. was the entire point of the villain of that book. Mm-hmm. And it was all lost because Ava DuVernay wanted to play identity politics, cared more about playing that than telling a good story. And hey, guess what? She lost money. So, you, you, Sorry, you hit one of my... Hot oh, yeah. rants because I, that's that was my favorite book series as a little girl oh yeah and my favorite book for a long time was a swiftly tilting planet dealing with the anti-irish stuff yeah this is interesting so, i i never watched i never read the other books before and actually you, you have me intrigued now i will say though um the only reason why i'm still hesitant to, to do the other books is because i you know i like audiobooks the person who did the audiobook for that did a terrible job with meg's voice because Meg sounds so whiny in the in the audiobook version, and I got so annoyed by her character because of the whininess that that the voice actor had for the character. You know, sometimes voice actors in, in audiobooks can just either make or break a story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe if maybe if there was a different voice actor who did the rest of the books, I'd be uh, interested in, in checking if, it out. If you get a chance to check them out, yeah, for I sure. Would suggest it. They are really deep books. A Wind mm. in the Door, which is the second one, deals with Charles mm. as a little boy getting sick because literally demonic spirits, ethroids, and those are actually trying to attack him at a subatomic level to kill him because he is destined to do good as a spiritual boy. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. So okay. it's, it's very Christian throughout the yeah. series. And it's really scientific, too. Yeah. And it shows you can be scientific, analytical, logical, and still have faith. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that's why to to get back to uh, that original question though, yeah, that's the reason why in general, whether it's taking any of the works of Tolkien, whether it's taking any of the works of C.S. Lewis, whether it's taking any of the works of um, I forget what what's the name of the author behind The Wrinkle in Time, Madeline Engle, Madeline Engle, any of these Christian authors who have Christian imagery in their books in modern day Hollywood, I wouldn't trust any of those people because I just they they would try and take the Christian stuff out, and that's kind of a core element to it. 
Uh, Kara mm-hmm. Tharp says, I just started drawing a drawing of Queen Amadala. Nice. Very cool. It's always good to hear and glad to hear people do it. I wish I had that skill. I don't. I, I can draw a, I can draw snowmen. I can draw stick figures. And um, I will have you know, though. Sounds like me. Even, exactly, right? Even though I lack that, I will have everyone know I'm kind of a celebrity in a little ways. One of my stories, I, we had to write for a contest in school when I was in, like, fourth grade. And we submitted it to, it was like a Reading Rainbow contest, back when Reading Rainbow was still really, really big. And so um, I, I, I submitted my story. It was about two races of aliens. One was red, one was green, because it was little stick figure red and green aliens. Um, they were fighting. They hated each other. But then they came together to work together to defeat a, a new oh. common enemy, who, of course, was another color alien. I will have you know that that story wow. got a award um, from Reading Rainbow, and it was featured on Reading Rainbow. I don't know what episode. I'm still trying to hunt that down, but I have my mom has a little certificate in my little baby box, she calls it, which has all like the stuff that I did and accomplished when I was younger. I have a little certificate from Reading Rainbow that my Aww, story... that's sweet. Yep. So uh, even though I couldn't draw, my story touched the heart of LeVar Burden himself. Now, I don't know if he actually read the story or not, but I would like to, I, I like to think that he read the story and that he was like, this, this, this guy has heart. That's my, that's my thought. That's sweet. <laughs> You're welcome, by the way, for that <laughs> beautiful story. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's see. Uh, Laura says, it wasn't made for you. Exactly. That's the same movie for anyone easy. wondering. Uh, the Wrinkle in Time. That's made the one. For me either. Yep, yep. It wasn't made for anyone. That's, uh, it wasn't it... made for anybody who is actually a fan of the books or actually has respect for other people. Yeah. Actually, you know what? It was it was made for Ava DuVernay. She made it for herself. That that that's who she made it for. Uh, Andrew Hayes. I have not done box office yet. I might do a video on the Mortal Kombat box office as I had been waiting for those numbers to officially drop, which I know by now uh, typically they do, uh, but I can give you a quick synopsis. Uh, it looks like right now it's at $50 million worldwide, so not a bad opening. It did better. Uh, the projections was between 11 and $15 million domestically. It is projected to make 22 so it's doing better than expected. Um, it still has a little ways to go, though, because the budget uh, was was, of course, a little bit on the higher side with, with all of those visual effects. But uh, Orange Air Reviews as a member says Shazam is good, but Aquaman has a personality that I clicked with. Also, he has the best dialogue when speaking to the giant creature, the uh, Karathan. Yeah, I again, for me, it comes down to CGI and also kind of the water mechanics. Some of the things, I think, just get me a little bit. Uh, Thanatos Felicitas, Narnia is just a retelling of some of the Bible. C.S. Lewis was a Christian. Absolutely. Yep. Yes. Can't, can't have those stories without the Christian and themes. so was Lord of the Rings. It was all mm-hmm. metaphors to angels and demons warring. Yep. Absolutely. Laura says, I hope we get a Shazam sequel. I do as well. I think that they could do a lot of good stuff with it. Um, let's see. Rhaegar Targaryen, aren't you glad Ava DuVernay is not doing New Gods anymore? I know that was a rumor. I don't know if that was confirmed or not, but if it's true, then I'm happy because that it, it, ugh, everything she touches is terrible. Uh, Rosie G12 who's a member, just like the Tolkien movie. They took his Catholicism out of the film, which was completely central to his writing and life. 
Um, yeah, so uh, talking about the movie called Tolkien. Um, and I actually never got to see it. So now now knowing that, I'm, I'm kind of glad I didn't have to Everyone told it. me they took out all his faith. They took out references of his friendship Mm-mm-mm. with Lewis. They took out all that stuff. And that's just, what's the point? Uh, Elizabeth Lyons says, hail, hail to you. Um, and uh, for those wondering, it looks like Tina might be having some technical issues. Ooh. Ooh. Tina, everything okay? Yeah, yeah just hang out on me and YouTube is dropping on me. It looks so... like you have Hangouts open on two locations. On two locations. I've got – let me shut it down on my phone. Okay. There we go. Okay. Uh. Hmm. Well, we'll, we'll get Tina sorted out uh, in a second. Uh, Andrew Hayes. Sorry, uh, Rosie to 12 says Tolkien and Lewis were close friends, but I think he didn't care for the Narnia series. Yeah, it's that's always cool, too, when you find out like great authors were friends, but then they didn't like each other's work. I don't know. I think that's well, fine. They were being competitive with it. There's things in his notes. Um, yeah. A long time ago, watching and whether you like Len Beck or not, he bought Tolkien's Bible, which also had all the notes he put in it. Mm. of when they were writing of his communications with Lewis while they were writing this up and where they were basing it off of mm-hmm. in the Bible. And there's actually stuff in there about this was a competition between them to see who could do the best metaphor to Christian faith and stuff. And so they were nice. really critical of each other's work because they wanted to be the better one. That's kind of cool. <laughs> so it's, it was a fun kind of thing. It's like, well, yeah, it's a, it's a rivalry between French friends. Mm-hmm. At least it's a friendship thing. Yeah. Uh, Tina, you back? Yeah, I'm yes. going to do Hangouts on my phone because okay. it's it keeps shutting down on the Chromebook, and I don't know why. Okay. Uh, remember, uh, once you have yes. a new one in mind, you let me know, and yes. I'll I'll help out with that one. Uh, okay, I appreciate it. Of yeah, course. <laughs> Got to take care of my Valks. Always. Uh, Andrew Hayes, do you think Peter Jackson took out the Christian themes in Lord of the Rings? Not really. Not really. Um, I wish he left in some reference to Bombadilla because that's where most yeah. of the Christian references were really heavy. Mm-hmm. But I can also see why he had trouble working that into the story the way he did the movies. I th- so yeah, the way I, I would describe it. Mm-hmm. The way I would describe I the movies, but I wish there'd been a reference. The way I would describe Peter right. Jackson's portrayal of of the films is that he didn't strip the Christian elements. There's a difference between telling the story the best way you can, which because the story is so rooted in, in these Christian themes, naturally, if you're telling it as best you can, even if that's not your focus, those Christian themes are still going to, you know, come out. But as I said, the difference between what he did with Lord of the Rings and what Ava DuVernay did with The Wrinkle on Time is that she literally stripped and took, like she stripped any sense of Christianity out of the movie. And that's, and that's why the film felt soulless whereas with lord of the rings even though he was not really focused on really supporting and and trying to uh kind of preserve the christian themes they're still there by nature of the story itself so at the very least he didn't strip it of its themes would be the way i would describe it uh elizabeth lyons in the chat hail to you the new number two also in the chat as well hail to you 
Um, uh, Laura says, do you want to draw a snowman? Um, I could draw a snowman, but it, it wouldn't be very good. And, uh, <laughs> and with that, uh, Andrew Hayes says, the funny thing is Hollywood could do gangbusters with Lord of the Rings Game of Thrones style one and two Samuel series of mo- Dude, there are so many, Andrew Hayes, there are so many books of the Bible that they could make so many epic films from, but not not modern Hollywood because they would they would tell a biblical story without God. That's that's what they would do. Um, Elizabeth Lyons says, I was disappointed with the Tolkien film. It could have been so much better. That's what I've heard. And then Orange Hat says, could have sworn C.S. Lewis was an atheist, but he was still good friends with Tolkien. Oh, I mean, see, have you, dude, uh, you might want to reread yeah. uh, the uh, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe and the Narn- the Chronicles of Narnia series. Trust me, he's got... Specifically, the Magician's Nephew and the Last Battle. Yeah. Also, uh, a, a, Revelation. Gr- a great work of him, Screwtape Letters. Um, it's yes. a fantastic fictional account of a conversation between essentially two demons and they're talking about how to lead people into sin, essentially. It's brilliant, and you wouldn't do that unless you <laughs> had some some sense of Christianity <laughs> in there. Uh, Rosie D12, that says, I don't think Jackson took Tom Bombadil out to high Christianity, but just couldn't fit it in. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I wish he put in some reference because of how much religious referencing was in that part of the story. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I understand why his movie style the way he did it just didn't quite work either with that part of the story yeah she still loves the movies but was disappointed because it just obviously when it comes to books like that there's only so much you can fit in uh soul assassins waving hello uh Rhaegar Targaryen makes a good point he did write mere Christianity that's also true <laughs> as Elizabeth Lyon says Lewis was not just Christian, but was extremely Christian. Uh, Evan S., I bought the Captain Marvel serial from 1941 on Blu-ray. First comic book superhero movie film. Really? I'd never heard of that before. That's and- the original Captain Marvel. Oh, wow. DC's. I never knew that. Yes. Nice. And then Rosie 12, C.S. Lewis was an atheist and converted to the Church of England. Tolkien was always disappointed. Lewis never became Catholic. Yeah, I know that it was something he worked for uh, for much of his life. But anyway, with, with the chat now caught up with, let's now go to Tina. Tina, what have you been watching? I've, had a, I've got a slew of movies. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. And I tried to group them. Um. I'm going to start out with my, I called it movies with a caveat. Mm. Uh, these are the ones that you watch with either Mystery Science Theater 3000 or Riff Tracks. Because mm. otherwise, ugh. okay, <laughs> beginning of the end, which I've seen before, it has uh, Peter Graves, who was in Starlock 17, mm. but... He did a lot of B-movies. So while his brother, James Arness, was becoming famous with Gunsmoke, Peter Graves, he hadn't hit Mission Impossible yet. So he plays the scientist that, I don't know if it was a fluke or if he did it intentionally, but he creates these giant grasshoppers who then go tearing through Illinois until they finally arrive in Chicago. And the director of the movie had them use postcards and photographs of 1950s Chicago and you see the grasshoppers crawling up the pictures. 
<laughs> so that's the special effect. So the joke is like on MST3K, you hear, you know, that they're going, oh, there goes another one. Tell my wife and kids I love them. <laughs> <laughs> Revenge. So that's the funniest part of the movie. And uh, and you get to see 1950s Chicago. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, look, they're walking down Michigan Avenue. Oh, look, they're going to the Art Institute. Oh, they're in Lake Michigan. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm calling these. Yeah, look at look at them with Mystery Science Theater 3000 or Rift Tracks. Mm-hmm. This one, Rosie, I agree. <laughs> uh, this one, I kind of came in on, uh, it hadn't been on that long, but it was called Icebreakers. It was on Rift Tracks. And it stars Sean Astin hmm. about a year before he started making Lord of the Rings and Bruce Campbell. And it's kind of called Die Hard on Skis because these terrorists take over a ski lodge, but I'm not sure why. And there's no bear bonds or anything mentioned. And I guess Sean Astin is the Bruce Willis of the movie. Not someone I would think of as a Bruce Willis type, but... Yeah, and it was really... I laughed a lot. Bruce Campbell, his his terrorist didn't seem. I didn't even get it. It's like, oh, I'm gonna set set this atomic bomb here at the ski lodge, and it's like, but why? Why are you doing this? <laughs> but that was Icebreaker, and uh, MST3K, I guess, kind of get went on their kaiju <laughs> spree, so they were running Gamera movies. Hmm. So I watched Gamera versus Gauss. And hmm. Gamera versus, I know I'm going to say this wrong, Giron. And all the movies have Kenny's in them. And as you know, thanks to Brandon Tincott, whose YouTube channel I highly recommend, Brandon's mm-hmm. uh, cult movies. And Kenny is an annoying child of any race who shows up in these movies, gives us dialogue we don't need, and you just want the kid dead by the end of the movie. <laughs> my gosh okay now in one of these we not only had two kennies we had a kenette which is a female kenny mm. and you only look at it for gamera and one of these is the one where gamera gets on the parallel bar and swings around and i think it's crow that says at one point you know guys i think this movie just got silly didn't it <laughs> it's like like it wasn't silly before so <laughs> That's Gam- Ga- the Gamera movies. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I had to look at Miami Connection, which is one of my favorite terrible movies of all time, where you have a ninja rock group who plays at a nightclub, and at night they fight drug-dealing ninjas, I think. So... And for some reason, they call it Miami Connection, but I think the bulk of the movie takes place in Orlando. <laughs> Why would you just call it Orlando <laughs> Connection, Orlando then? Connection, I know. Simple and, fix. And the Y2 Kim. That's the, he stars in it, if you can call it that. He makes Tommy Wiseau look like Lawrence Olivier. No. Why to Kim? He is an actual, or he was an actual uh, martial art artist. Okay. Some of the stunt work they do in the movie is not that bad, but it's just everything else that's around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
I love at the end of the movie, he says they have this title card that comes up and it's like only through eliminating violence can we achieve peace and it's like this whole fracking movie has been nothing but violence what are you talking about <laughs> and then they have some of the, the, the songs they sing at the club and was it friends for eternity thick or thin <laughs> what friends for eternity that we're together through thick or thin. Is that a real song from the movie? <laughs> That's a real song from the movie. Oh, yeah. wow. And then the audience, the, uh, the nightclub audience is like going, Kai Twondo! Mixed martial arts! It's really goofy. And you can tell that Y2Kim does not play an instrument because you see him back there and he's got the guitar and you're like, he is not playing that, you can tell. <laughs> yeah. So I definitely recommend Miami Connection. That's another of those movies that, thanks to Alamo Drafthouse, became a cult classic. Mm, okay. And, uh, okay, so that was the movies with a caveat. Mm -hmm. Next section, I wish Miss uh, um, Muses was on here. The one and only David Suchet. So I watched three uh, Poirot movies. Oh. All with David Suchet. That's why I said the one and only. I watched uh, one called Dead Man's Folly. And I had just read the book. And then when I went on YouTube, uh, one of the British stations now has all the Poirot and the Miss Marple movies. Mm -hmm. So you can go on there and look at them. And so Dead Man's Folly, I had just read. So I looked at it. Appointment with Death. I had just read it. It differs a little bit from the book. Um, I kind of see what they did. I didn't mind it. But having read the book, I was like, oh, you all went kind of far afield of the book. Mm. And I also watched his version of Brit TV. That's it. Thanks, Laura. Um, I also watched his version of Death on the Nile. And I had just listened to the audiobook of that. And the conclusion is uh, it all it all ends up going in the same direction, but they kind of did the conclusion on Suchet's Death on the Nile different from the Peter Ustinoff version. So I'm gonna be a little curious as to where Kenneth Branagh is gonna go with his version. I know he's already race swapped a character mm -hmm. or two. I'm not sure why. Mm -hmm. So we shall see. Yeah. Do you, th but, do you think that plays a, a major role? Like, like would changing the, those qualities affect the story you think? The only thing I'm going to say, cause I was thinking it over when I saw the trailer to Brownell's movie, mm -hmm. I was like, well, since the character is supposed to be a writer, maybe a lot of people wouldn't have known in his version that she's black Mm. But if she's as flamboyant as she is, as she's played by Angela Lansbury in the 1970s version, that woman would have been so out there, everybody would know what her race was. Okay. The character is extremely flamboyant. She is always in the limelight. I don't know how that's going to work in the Brownell version. Okay. So we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll see, or you all can 
can tell me, but I was like, well, we'll have three versions to mm-hmm. choose from. We'll have Peter Ustinov's, uh, David Suchet's, and now Kenneth Branagh. So, mm-hmm. as long as he doesn't play Paul Rose's action hero. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know he's gonna do. <laughs> I could, I could never. Lars in the chat. Lars, could you see David Suchet's Poirot doing what Kenneth Branagh's was doing? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So with it being Easter, I had my three faith-based movies. Um, John Huston's The Bible in the Beginning. That's one I usually watch every year, and. It's one I've really had a lot of problems finding uh, a lot of history on mm. as far as the making of it and everything. And it looks like the Wikipedia page has expanded a little bit. So I was like, oh, well, that's good. They shot the Garden of Eden uh, at a location outside of a park in Italy. Hmm. Did not know that. I knew they filmed part of it on the when Cain runs after he murders Abel. I knew they filmed that on Mount Etna because I know Richard Harris got injured mm. during the, the filming. Uh, they used real animals for the ark. I know George C. Scott and Eva Gardner had an affair. <laughs> oh, <Lord. laughs> uh, John Houston directed the movie and also played Noah. And um, there's just not a whole lot, but that was another one of those Epics that 20th Century Fox did during the 60s that didn't make as much money as they hoped, Mm. like Cleopatra, which broke even like decades later. But uh, The Bible was another movie they had pumped all this money into. John Huston's hope was this the Bible in the beginning covers Genesis 1 through 26, I think, up Mm -hmm. through when Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac. Mm -hmm. And he intended to film the entire Bible at one point. Mm. Yeah, we only got Genesis 1 through 26. <laughs> so th- th- there you go. And Rosie, he his, his I love Richard Harris too, and his part in the Bible is so small. I mean, he does the Cain and Abel thing, and he's maybe in it 10 minutes, and he's done. So hmm. he brings that Richard Harris to it but this is a very it's still a young Richard Harris you know and Soul Assassin you're right Eva Gardner was gorgeous you know I like she played Sarah and George C. Scott played Abraham and um, Ten Commandments that's annual for me Mm -hmm. and the other movie I hadn't looked at in a few years and it was on YouTube for free and it was what they called the the uh, roadshow version which means that's the longest version available i looked at the greatest story ever told and whoo boy it is long <laughs> and it is reverent it's like you so think is it reverent, a good long or a bad long it's a middle of the road long mm, there okay. is not a there is no humor in it this i forgot who 20th century fox originally had the rights to it and then they thankfully dropped them and i think united artists took it on and you've got uh george stevens who is a solid director 
And I know he's trying to capture the life of Christ, but it's like, I'm not, I, I told Nathan, Nathan saw my review on Letterboxd, mm-hmm. and I told Nathan, I'm not going to be as cruel as some of the critics were at the time. One critic said, I had no idea the Son of God could be this boring. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not going to be that cruel because it's Max von Sydow. Mm. And he, I think it was his first English-speaking role, and you can't tell. Uh, he's he's very good in it, but the movie it just goes on and on and on and on and on, and you're trying to you're seeing that they're capturing all these great moments of Jesus' life, but I think having so many stars in it also took you out of the movie because I'm looking at it and going. Oh, there's so-and-so. Oh, there's so-and-so. Oh, there's so-and-so. And so now your mind is taken out of the movie. Mm-hmm. And especially John Wayne, who plays the centurion at the crucifixion. And I don't know how many takes they said George Stevens did with him. And he could only get him to intone, like, surely this was the son of God in his typical John Wayne fashion. He couldn't get him to do it any other way. And so you're sitting there and you're looking at this and it's like, there's a good movie in here, but it's just four hours of, it's no humor. Everybody's just playing this very, very straight and I'm tired. So (laughs) I'm just, I, I, I I can't get over. Did you just say that John Wayne was in this yes, movie? John Wayne. John Wayne has everybody is in it in cameos. It's like I don't know <sighs> if you've ever seen the movie Baby Doll. You look and you say, "Hey, there's Carol Baby Doll Baker. <laughs> uh, there's Van Heflin. Oh, there's Sal Minio playing somebody who's not actually in the Bible, but he's just in this. <laughs> uh, uh, Claude. I think this was Claude Rains' last part really uh he played herod the great and it's like okay well claude rains is bringing claude rains what little time he's in this movie yeah um does john wayne do the john wayne walk by chance he's standing there okay he's just standing okay so when the storm is raging Mm -hmm. jesus has died you see him in a silhouette you never see his actual face he's like in shadow Mm mm-hmm and but you know even by the stance oh that's john wayne (laughs) and then he says the line and you're like oh yeah that's john wayne (laughs) that was john wayne um it's just it's uh shelly winters played the woman with the blood issue who touches Mm. jesus robe and is healed so you all of a sudden you're like oh there's shelly winters the, but like I said, Claude Rains was a really good Herod the Great. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, shoot. I don't have the cast list in front of me. He played, uh, I want to say Herod Jr., <laughs> Herod Agrippa. Um, he was very good. Yeah. Joseph Schilkraut, who was, it was amazing to me, he was in this movie. This was his last movie. He died during the filming. Oh, wow. He played... Um, uh, Nicodemus, I think. Mm. Nicodemus or Joseph of Arimathea, one of the one of the two. Joseph Schilkrop was played Judas Iscariot in Cecil B. DeMille's King of Kings, the silent version. He also won an Oscar for playing. Um, oh shoot! He won the Best Supporting Oscar. He was the French Jewish soldier 
who was uh, unfairly convicted hmm. back in the 19th century and was sent to uh, prison and then got acquitted. Um, and they said him being a Jew played something played into that. Okay. But Joseph Shilcrop won the Oscar okay. for, the, for the movie. And uh, so here he is. They've got here's an Oscar winner. Sidney Poitier pops up for like a yeah. half a second. I'm looking at this list. Yeah, Charlton Heston, Angela yes. La- Angela Lansbury. Angela Lansbury plays Claudia Pontius. Pat, wife. Pat Boone. Pontius, pilot, yes. Pat Boone apparently plays an angel. He plays an angel, yes. And he's in it like half a minute. It's just like they come, they see the, the stones been rolled back and they come into the tomb and Pat Boone's just sitting there going, he's not here anymore. And it's like, oh, that's Pat Boone playing an <laughs> Okay, and Sidney Poitier played Simon of Cyrene. Okay. Si- Simon of Cyrene, yeah. Wow. And that's, so that's what you have. Yeah, Rhaegar is right. He's just randomly an angel. <laughs> And I think Alfred Newman did the score. And Alfred Newman, again, solid composer, one of the greatest composers of all time as far as movies. And the movie starts out with this solemn uh, overture. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I'm going to be asleep by the time the credits are rolled. <laughs> uh, it's just... It's it, they filmed it on location in I think Utah, California, mm-hmm. Wyoming, Idaho, Arizona, New Mexico, because they thought that it, that looked better than uh, <laughs> the actual Holy Land, I yeah. guess. And it's a nice looking movie. It's a beautiful movie, and but I can't. I hadn't seen it in a while. I was just like, I'm gonna rewatch this, and I can't give it higher than two and a half stars. It's oh, just. Wow. It's just so dry. I thought Pat Boone would have uh, put it over the edge for you. No, Pat, they didn't even. And I kept sitting there waiting. I was like, well, Pat Boone hasn't shown up yet. <laughs> and just when you thought, surely not everyone's in this movie, Pat Boone shows up. Pat Boone showed up. He yeah. ain't here. Goodbye. He ain't here. <laughs> okay. All right. So, yeah, it was, I think I read that this pretty this movie pretty much killed George Stevens mentally and I think he ended up dying not mm. long after it came out wow but yeah this was the roadshow version so this was like the four hour version I know there's a shorter one but when I saw this I was like I don't remember some of this because mm-hmm. they have a lot of scenes where Jesus is in Capernaum okay and uh, I was like I don't remember any of this yeah and yeah now, Charlton Heston the movie livened up with him as John the Baptist. Okay. I'll say that because his voice was just like booming and I was like, oh, yeah. okay, well the movie's waking up. Uh, I thought it was interesting that um, Salome didn't specifically ask for John the Baptist's head in this movie. Hmm. It's like you see her dancing, but Herod gives the order for John to be executed and okay. I was like, okay, well, how come... Solomon in a movie that's as long as this one you would think they would have details like that exactly in- <laughs> exactly exactly and did i mention telly savalas played pontius Pilate? yeah yeah who loves you baby <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't say that so. <laughs> he should have <laughs> he should have yeah so uh yeah so that was my faith-based mm-hmm. um my miscellaneous i call them miscellaneous yeah. um 
I looked at Mortal Kombat last night, and oh, yeah. I it was okay. I gave it two and a half stars. I knew nothing yeah. about what I was getting, so mm-hmm. it was what it was, you know. That's uh, a fair score, because I, I, I gave it a C plus, and I think two and a half stars is totally fair, because I, I, I mentioned this in my review. I think if, if you're looking for fan service, there's a lot of fan service to be had, and I think that's right. going to make a lot of people happy for those moments. But then when you try and find it and look at it as like an actual coherent story, it just falls apart. Yeah, I, I the only reason why I even knew what little I did is because of Phelous Phelan on his channel. He does a lot of the Mortal Kombat animation. Mm. And so that was why I was like, oh, okay, I've heard that name, Sub-Zero. Don't know what he does. Don't know if he's a good guy or not, but okay. <laughs> I know of this Sub-Zero character. <laughs> I know of the Sub-Zero. So. Oh, is that the one they call Scorpion? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I, I just picture Tina watching this going, saying, oh, oh, okay. I think I've heard of him before. <laughs> and now I'll go turn Phelous' channel on and <laughs> see what he says. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, I saw that and I rewatched metropolis because i was in the mood for it fritz lang's metropolis i did a review of that on uh, my letterbox mm-hmm. and then i came in on i came about 15 minutes into this movie it's called a new leaf it's from 1971 it was on pluto tv and it stars walter Matthau and elaine may who was considered one of the finest comedians at that time male or female but she wrote and directed it and it's this really weird story. Walter Matthau plays this spoiled millionaire who one day wakes up and finds out he has no more money. Mm. And so he decides, well, how am I going to get money? So he finds out that the Elaine May character is also a millionaire and she is a professor at a college. And so he decides, this is how I'll get out of my money woes. I'll marry her and then I'll kill her. Like you do. <laughs> Like you do, right? <laughs> yes, and I'm like, makes sense to me. <laughs> uh, Walter Matthau, he was hilarious in it because he just plays the, a typical stereotyped snob millionaire who now no longer has any money. And, and I know, I think the one line that made me laugh the hardest, and that's probably because my sense of humor is weird, mm-hmm. is she, Elaine May invites what few friends she has and one of them is a German mm-hmm. and Walter Matthau says who invited this Nazi here get this Nazi out of my house <laughs> and I was like I'm laughing harder than I should be so, yeah. <laughs> so I gave that three stars I, it's one of those black comedies that you're either going to like it or you won't it's not it's not going to be for everybody yeah. just saying you know okay alright I'm going to discuss my kaiju movies and then I'm going to get into uh, my review that got deleted okay. off Letterbox. Okay, rewatched the 1933 King Kong. I watched, and this can be pronounced any number of ways that Brandon Tincott said on one of his episodes Ghidorah, 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 whatever, but I call it Ghidorah, the three headed monster. That's how I know it is Ghidorah. Yes. Yeah. But in one movie, one Godzilla movie, they called him about five different types of names. Oh, wow. Or pronunciations. I'm like Brandon, it's Ghidorah. (laughs) (laughs) So 
I gave it three stars, but um, there's a lot going on in it. And in the mm-hmm. end, everything kind of came together. But um, Mothra, who is still in a caterpillar sh- uh, state in this one, uh, she goes to Godzilla and Ro- uh, Rodan, who are battling it out. They're like doing a WWE match and Rodan's pecking Godzilla in the head and Godzilla's hitting on there. It's kicking rocks and stuff. And it's like, there's a referee in this. Where's the referee? What is going on? (laughs) And so Mothra being the queen of the monsters and loving humanity, she's like, hey guys, we all need to come together and defeat Ghidorah. Mm -hmm. And Rodan and Godzilla are like, oh, we ain't helping these humans. All they ever want to do is kill us. And at one point, I guess Godzilla says something pretty bad because the Mothra twins say, uh, Godzilla, watch your language. <laughs> oh my God, what did Godzilla say? You know? I've never seen, Is it? do they have like subtitles underneath as they're talking? Mm-mm, there is another movie where they do talk. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. but this one, no, it's just like, the fairy, the the Mothra twins are just interpreting. You know, they're saying, "Well, well, you know, uh, Mothra is saying this to them," and they're okay. saying, "Well, no, we're not going to." And then they go, "Godzilla, watch your language." <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, "Oh boy, I would have loved yeah. to heard what he was saying." <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, new number two, Ghidra or Ghidra. That's another pronunciation I've heard. Interesting. It's very weird. Okay, now I know this is one we're going to disagree on, but Odin, I'm telling, I'm going to tell you what. Yeah. Okay, Godzilla versus King Kong. This is the movie I saw in IMAX. Now, mm-hmm. I've been trying to get my thoughts together, and up from the depths, who is one of my favorite YouTubers, he is a big kaiju fan. Mm-hmm. He gave the movie three stars. Okay. Everything he said is what was in my brain and I couldn't get out. Mm. So I'm just going to kind of read through what he said in his review and just figure I go along with it. Okay. All right. Delivers on the promise of his title. If you felt you'd be giddy at the prospect of what a big screen epic uh, along these lines could do, you'll be satisfied even feeling like a kid again. Those looking for more will likely find the film lacking in the elements that make a movie have a more engaging narrative. I'm sorry, I can't read my own writing. (laughs) The movie has been stripped down to its bare essentials to get to the titular fight as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. This works in that regard as it takes hardly any time for Godzilla and Kong to be trading blows, but it comes at the expense of what could be a truly compelling story. So it's entertaining, but a hollow experience. If you want kaiju carnage and nothing more, this is it. Kaiju fans will be will get their thrills and then some. And it gives the majority what they want, a rock'em sock'em rumble among the two greatest monsters of cinema. And everything having to do with that is exquisitely done. The monster action is clearly shot and beautifully choreographed while still maintaining a sense of scale that is so crucial to making these movies feel huge. What also works to its benefit is the embrace of the absurd. It's unabashedly silly, but so, but offering gorgeous visuals that relish in nothing but pure imagination. The kind that is sure to get kids' heads racing with possibilities when viewed this way, it's hard to be too cynical. With the exception of the true human MVP actress Kaylee Hodgel, who plays Gia, 
even the very good actors are devoid of death and are there to push the plot along. The heart of the movie belongs to Kong. He's the star, and when viewed in this way, the movie is fairly compelling. The effects used to bring him to life are incredible, giving him a real sense of soul that makes you care for him, regardless of which monster you're a fan of. This gives the fight a genuine sense of tension as Kong is shown as the underdog against the more powerful and more experienced Godzilla. Now, this does take some of the narrative focus away from uh, Godzilla, but he is still a constant presence, but it's never too long before he shows up. It's sort of fresh seeing the, oh my God, oh, iteration of Godzilla and a slight return to his more villainous roots. And he does things we've never seen him do before. He was showing the visual of Godzilla climbing up the side of the building and also him down on all fours because we've never really seen him do that before. Where's my other page? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ultimately, Kaiju fans will be happy that it re-delivers on a rematch 60 years in the making, Mm -hmm. but also frustrating in that it doesn't offer much beyond that. It has no pretensions beyond being pure spectacle of the highest order, which is a strength and a weakness. It's fast-paced, never slowing down to let you dwell on anything too deeply, which can make the epic feel less epic when it's designed as a culmination of prior films. It is mostly devoid, it is mostly devoid, though, that there is something narrative, that there is some interesting narrative stuff going on with the monsters if you look hard enough. Uh, but when it fires, it fires on all sil- cylinders, offering up some of the coolest visuals and most thrilling action of both monster franchises. They are the real stars. They have the most character. When they're on screen, and that's often, the film is a blast that your inner child can't help but love. Flows and all. Fall- flaws and all. Sorry, I can't read my own writing. I don't know. I kind of so- like flows and all. 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 That kind of what was what was going through my mind when I had a chance to think it over. Um, King Kong and Godzilla, and I phrase it that way because that was the movie. It originally the original movie came out in the early sixties. The idea originally came from Willis O'Brien, who did the special effects for the 33 Kong. Mm-hmm. He had he wanted the Frankenstein monster to go up against Godzilla, I think. And it was what? going to be it was going to be a different Frankenstein monster. Like a, a giant Frankenstein a monster? A giant Frankenstein monster, <laughs> yes. Uh, an alleged friend of his stole the idea and went to Toho with it. Mm. And Willis O'Brien, that pretty much killed him. Because mm. it was like, no, that was my idea. And even tried to go to court on it, and nothing ever came of it. <clears throat> so they eventually turned it into uh, King Kong versus Godzilla because Godzilla was a little better known. But King Kong at the time was better known than Godzilla. Mm-hmm. So that's why he got top billing. In the original movie, the ca- oh, if you want characters, you're going to get characters. It's so over the top. Yeah. Uh, Kong and Godzilla fight for a total of maybe 10 minutes and in the first fight they yes soul assassin that's why Kong has electrical powers because it was supposed to be the Frankenstein monster (laughs) that's right so in their first fight it's like Godzilla fires off a beam singes Kong and Kong's like eh okay I'll see you later in the movie yeah and he wanders off 
Then at the end, they have the fight, and that's where you get the now famous Kong trying to ram the tree down Godzilla's throat. Eat it, eat it, you know. <laughs> and they do some WWE moves. They both slide <laughs> off into the water. And uh, the rumor was there were two different endings, one for Japan, one for the United States. That mm. is a myth. There was one ending. You see Kong going back. To wherever he comes from and you hear Godzilla's roar end of the movie mm-hmm. so yes the fans have been wanting this for 16 some years mm-hmm. so I think for kaiju fans yes I agree from up from the desk and like I said he's one of the biggest kaiju fans ever yeah but the reason why he said it took him a while to do his review was because he had to think it over it was the same with King of the Monsters mm-hmm. because he had some problems with it too so I think his review, that's the reason why I said I'm going to read it because I think Mar- he hit the same beats that I did. Did he give, um, th- so he gave three stars to this film. Yes. What did he give for King of the Monsters? I think he gave it three and a half, but okay. would you hear why? I totally agree with him. Okay. Uh, he did a podcast with uh, a kaiju fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I sent the link to Laura. Now, does he have the same issues that you do with Millie Vanilli, Bobby Brown? He said he wished her character had been more developed. Okay. Uh, another kaiju channel that I started listening to called Dangerville. Um, they said that was their problem. And in the novelization, her character has PTSD. Mm-hmm. But that's never shown in the movie. It's the same with uh, Ren's character. Mm. Uh, Kim Watanabe's uh, oh son. yeah yeah you don't understand why is he working with uh, Apex to mm-hmm. create Mechagodzilla yeah. uh, in the novel version it what they were trying to do was to create something that could protect humanity in case Godzilla decided he was going to go full blown hell on the entire world because mm-hmm. you don't know what a kaiju is going to do Soul Assassin, yeah, they do. I just started. I just subbed to them. Um, so, but using Ghidorah's skull was their big mistake. I just don't think they realized how powerful that creature was mm-hmm. as far as it continuing to exist. So I think there are, there's a novelization of the movie that they said goes into more death, but I'm like one of my old teachers used to say, I shouldn't have to do homework in order to follow the movie. Mm-hmm. The director said, and he said, please do not start hashtagging anything. <laughs> uh, there is a five hour assembly cut, but Warner Brothers wanted it at like two hours or less. So that was what he gave. Them. Do you so think I we'll think get a, uh, an extended cut at some point? I'm hoping that maybe he'll sit down and do an extended cut. But like I said, he already said in an interview, please do not start putting hashtag release the blah, blah cut. Don't start (laughs) doing that. Because he said what you have right now, there's no way it could be released. It's just what scenes that he had filmed. And he said, yeah, Millie Vanilli, Bobby Joe, James Earl Jones, Baby (laughs) Jesus Brown. uh, (laughs) She... Had a, you see more of her PTSD? Okay. The podcaster, you see more of of his character. 
Uh, and I know Alexander Skarsgård, frankly, came out in an interview and said, nobody's coming to this movie to see me. And I'm like, yeah, I don't even know who you are, except <laughs> you're related to Stellan somehow. So, um, But no, I gave the movie three stars. It gave me what I wanted. Yeah. Uh, I am just now getting into this the, the, the whole kaiju thing for yeah. about the last three or four months. Godzilla is the longest running movie franchise in history. Suck on that Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like seventy years old. Yeah. So I've got a lot of material to go through. I'm enjoying it. I'm having fun. There are some great Al Altieri, Up from the Depths, Danger View, Dangerville. I am had Mr. H. I'm having so much fun just looking at them and learning from what a lot of them have been studying since they were kids. Mm -hmm. You know. So. Hi, Keely. Will there be... I, I, I think Toho might be getting ready to take their rights back, so I don't know if there will be more to the MonsterVerse, but I would love to see more mm -hmm. of Hollow Earth. I thought that was so interesting. I would love to see more of that. Yeah. And when you hear, like, you know, things that I hadn't thought about, that people are like, well, I don't understand why Godzilla was getting, you know, the crap beaten out of him by Mecha Godzilla. Well, he had gone through this big battle mm -hmm. with Kong, and he's not going to be at his top form, even though he is king of the monsters. Yeah. And I love the whole idea, like, when he leans down and he laughs and smirks at Kong, and he's like, excuse my French, but he's like, bitch, just stay down. Mm -hmm. I'm the king of the monsters. I've beaten you. Don't keep keep trying to get back up. I mm -hmm. will press into your chest more. I will just crush you. Yeah. And Khan's like, no, he's another alpha male. He's like, no, I'm I'm not giving up. I'm not going to give up. Yeah. And I just love at the end that they just go their separate ways. And Godzilla's like, you help me out, bro. We're cool. I'm going on back out into the water now. You behave now. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, box office wise, you know, it just updated today. It's Right now, Godzilla vs. Kong has $406 million worldwide, which is definitely made it the most successful uh, film to be released, you know, thus far, really, in the, uh, at least in the American marketplace. And its right. domestic total is around $86 million. So it's still got a ways. I don't know if it'll get, it only made about a million dollars, I think, this weekend. So it still okay. has a ways, uh, domestically at least. So it still has a ways to go to, some people thought it was going to get to $100 million domestically. I, I, it's slowing down so much that it's kind of a toss up whether it will at this point. But, uh, you know, the, the point I've made about that movie, though, is that the vast majority of its money, right now, $181 million of its 406 is from China. Um, which they don't get a lot of back. So right, yeah. I I mean I'm I just think people wanted to see something that didn't. I, I mean I, it didn't preach to me. I just had fun, and I'm like up from the desk. It just kind of brought the kid in me, and I'm like now I want to see more. And this movie may introduce a whole new generation of kids to kaiju monsters. Yeah. And if they don't ruin this, like they've ruined Star Trek and Star Wars and Doctor Who and, and, and the MCU and all of that, if they don't ruin it, this could be something that something else for people to gravitate, gravitate mm -hmm. towards. And I love the Dangerville. I looked at one of their videos last night. There is a graphic novel where Kong destroys the gods of Olympus. 
He oh, goes wow. back in time. I said Kong, Godzilla. He goes back in time and destroys them. And it was so epic. I was like, that would make a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so that that's my feelings on that. And nice. then... Sia, what, what got deleted? Uh, let's see. A lot of Ren... I know I'm going to say his last name wrong. Sherzawa. A lot of that got deleted. Okay. As to why he was working for, for Apex. And... The, no, no, no. I mean... uh. I was talking about your your review. Oh, my review. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't know how many of you know Channel Awesome, which is Doug Walker, mm-hmm. aka that guy with the glasses, aka the Nostalgia Critic. Yeah, I know mostly as Nostalgia Critic. A Nostalgia Critic. Okay. Yeah. All right. A few years ago, about two years ago, I think, and I used to sub to his channel. Uh, a hashtag movement came out called Change the Channel. Because some of the creators that worked under the Channel Awesome banner, uh, Phelous, uh, I know he was one, Lankara, Spoonie, which I think Noah Atwater ended up having some mental problems, mm-hmm. um, Lindsay Ellis, a whole bunch of them came out with some accusations against Doug Walker and his brother, and also Mike Mushad, who is the official owner of Channel Awesome. Mm-hmm. A lot of it had to do with work abuse, people being fired for no reason. And then the big bomb was that uh, a person who went by the YouTube name of Juaria committed suicide. And then it turned out he was grooming at least one young girl and had molested her, committed mm-hmm. suicide. Mm-hmm. And even his widow went to the victim to apologize. Wow. Okay. Um, I knew that Doug Walker had done three movies in his uh, Channel Awesome trilogy. The first one was called Kick Assia. That's my review that got deleted. Uh, The second movie was called Suburban Nights, which ran about two hours, two and a half hours. And then his epic was To uh, to Boldly Flee, which ran over three hours. Somebody was doing a watch show and I said, this is the only way I'm going to look at Kick Assia. And so I looked at it. I gave it one and a half star. No, I gave it a half a star. Yeah, that's right. And I went back in when I was reviewing the movies I had seen so I could jot them down, and (laughs) my review was missing. Mm. And so when I started delving into it, I saw some other people on Letterboxd said they had also done kick-assier reviews and had had them deleted. And they said it seems that this movie will pop up on Letterboxd Mm -hmm. on occasion. And then somebody will go in and delete the movie from the system, which means all reviews connected to the movie are deleted. Oh, uh, well. okay. Okay. Now I'm not going to accuse Doug Walker of like paying off letterbox. I'm not going to do that, but yeah. this, it's like one person said either put it on there and leave it on there or delete all three movies in his trash tr- trilogy Mm-hmm. And be done with it. So I agree. Uh, Kick Asia was edited, written, produced, and directed by Doug Walker. Now, all I can say is if you're editing, directing, writing, and producing, 
is as bad as this, where you make Tommy Wiseau look like a freaking genius, <laughs> you should not review other people's movies anymore. Mm-hmm. Because your movie is terrible. There is nothing you have reviewed that is as bad as what this is. Not even Miami Connection. Not <laughs> The Room. I mean, because those are like playfully fun. In the well, they're so, they're so bad, it's funny. It's funny. Kikassia yeah. is, is, is not that on any level. Yeah. And there are times when you're sitting there, and these are people that worked for Channel Awesome at the time. So if you knew them, and I saw somebody mention Lindsay Ellis just got into trouble with, mm-hmm. yeah, the cancel culture. She did. Uh, and side note, Lindsay Ellis did a great three-parter on The Hobbit mm. and how that project just fell to pieces. Mm. So if you look look that up, and because it's really, really good. Yeah. Um, but you see these people and they're in the movie and it looks like, oh my God, their families are being held hostage. That's the only reason why they're making this movie. Yeah. Because <laughs> they look so miserable. And it's about Doug Walker playing the nostalgia critic. And he, some old man, a uh, middle-aged man owns uh, some property and he calls it, uh, he, it has its own name. He thinks it's his own country. And Doug Walker decides, oh, I want it. So I'm going to give you like a half an hour to clear out of here. And the guy closes the door in his face and Doug's like, oh, well, you know, this means war. And so Doug calls up all these people that you would know. And they're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? We're going to go to war. So after a few attempts, they end up taking over like this one acre of land. Doug, of course, sets himself up as president slash dictator. Uh, then he starts thinking people are trying to take over from him and that there's going to be a coup and it was just nothing. It was, it was just an hour and a half of nothing. And occasionally Phalas or Linkara, they might say something that was kind of funny. And that's the only reason why I went up a half a star. And it's just like, Oh, okay, well that was funny. And then all through the movie, you see Juari because he wears this very brilliant yellow, and you're like, when he says lines like, well, somebody think of the children, you just cringe because it's like, yeah, we know all about you, Juaria. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just not even a funny movie that you can look at and say, oh, it's so bad. It's good. No, it's, it was very few things in there that made me laugh. And then he went on to do Suburban Nights which I can't imagine living in the suburb, looking out my window and going, why are there three dozen crazy people running down my street <laughs> screaming? Oh, Angry Joe's in it too. Cause he used to be part of channel. Awesome. Oh, Angry Joe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I almost forgot him. Um, and then to boldly flee is like three and a half hours of Doug's swan song. When he put his nostalgia critic character behind him and, I've heard that if you look at that movie, you have to understand all the Star Wars, Star Trek, Doctor Who, name the franchise. If you don't know where that's coming from, then you're totally puzzled. But the problem is nothing in that movie was funny for like three plus hours. Wow. So this was Doug's vanity project. And then he went on to do some other stuff, which did not work out. I heard that there was a Kickstarter that he did that they raised like ninety to a hundred thousand dollars and did nothing with it. Mm. People didn't get anything. 
So then he decided to become the nostalgia critic again. Okay. <laughs> so I haven't looked at him since the whole change the channel. Yeah. About a year ago, I started seeing stuff popping up in my YouTube timeline where people were doing videos about him. And I was like, what, the change the channel stuff starting again? Yeah. No. Doug, and when I quit watching him, he had started doing these skits. Instead of reviews, he was doing skits. Mm -hmm. What was popping up in my feed were people doing reviews of this quote-unquote review he did of a movie I knew about but had never seen, Pink Floyd, The Wall. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He spent 40 minutes ridiculing an album and a movie that he obviously does not understand. Mm. I am not a Pink Floyd fan. I never have been. I knew another Brick in the Wall part two because I mean I used to hear that on the radio all the time. Yeah. But the criticism not only came from Pink Floyd fans, but from music fans, yeah. movie fans, people that aren't even movie fans or music fans. Mm -hmm. They were like, you spent 40, 40 minutes doing a parody spoof of the movie. You don't even understand the movie. It would have taken you 10 minutes to go on Wikipedia and get a general idea of what the movie is supposed to be about. Yeah. He had no clue. He didn't. Um, so he was being he was being critical of the film. He wasn't like doing just joking and just trying to be funny. He actually was like going after the film. He was going after the film. Okay. And the bad thing is at the end, like in the last minute of it, he's like, Oh, I liked it fine. It's a little full of itself, but it was okay. <laughs> it was like, why didn't you do a freaking review? Wow. He had core, which I didn't know this guy, Corey Taylor of Slipknot. He has him in the movie pan playing a sort of pink character, but Corey Taylor doesn't sing until the end when he does the SpongeBob song. Mm -hmm. At the very, very end of the video. <laughs> so it's like, it, 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 whoever it was that wrote the the they used the actual melodies but they rewrote the lyrics so he doesn't understand why are you using world war ii images mm -hmm. well you stupid idiot uh, uh, roger Wal waters father died mm -hmm. in world war ii he was a baby he never knew his father his mother became obsessive and clinging because she didn't want to lose another man in her life. That's what he's trying to get at. That is part of what built the wall. Mm -hmm. Then the school system at that time, Doug Walker's like, oh, what, what was the one line? LOL, school sucks, grow, another, grow a new set of balls. He's just like, you're just complaining because it's school. You don't want an education. No, what he was addressing was that after World War II, the British school system was pretty much beat them to the point of death mm -hmm. to put discipline in them. So he was abused at school. That's another brick in the wall. Mm -hmm. The kids are just becoming part of the, not necessarily the system, but just the mechanics. Just put them through the meat grinder, yeah. pump them out. Yeah. But instead of that, Doug Walker's like, oh, you just don't like school. That's your problem. Wow. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is something you could have gone. Like I said, 
I could go on Wikipedia, pull up this information, and know what the movie's about. I could just have gone through school myself and then seen the music video and been like, oh, I get the imagery here. I get the imagery I here. I understand context. in the, cause Oh, my it's, God. He, I mean, because even if you, like, if you just watch the music video alone, it makes it pretty clear about what the images are meant to convey. I mean, when the kids yeah. have all the same face on, yes. on a conveyor belt, going Thank into you. a meat grinder, it's the like, grinder. what Thank are you, you expecting? Like, how do you not get it? I just, I don't understand. But, but And there's this one scene where they're just, he, and he's doing this Dracula voice in the background where he's like, oh, do you remember that one teacher who was trying, who gave you candy? Those were children's souls. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what, what are you doing? What, 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 what? This is not a review. Yeah. And so he he makes fun of the World War II imagery and the stool imagery. And then he's just like, oh, so your wife and your girlfriend cheated on you. Suck it up. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm like, yeah, this is part of the the problem that Pink Floyd was having, that there was this disconnect now with their their audiences and everything, and then the, and being involved in the drug abuse, and the scene where he has the groupie come up to his hotel room, and he trashes the hotel room. It's just, he had, the wall was so big, it was like he couldn't let anybody in anymore. Yeah. And then, at the end of this quote-unquote review, uh, there is a Fena is this YouTube he is a YouTube creator mm-hmm. and he does these weird characters and the, his whole channel is nothing but about these weird characters. I watched another YouTuber looking at Fena's work and <laughs> it's very it's very disturbing. Mm. Uh, he's a lot into a lot of sadomasochistic stuff. I kind of yeah. gather, yeah. but this thinner. No, thank has you. His... No, thank, no, thank you. you. No, no, thank was... you. And, the, and this other YouTuber, he was like, yeah, I don't know why everybody likes this stuff. I yeah. don't get it. I was like, me either. So he has Fena who had two weeks to do the animation, do this thing that instead of the trial, it's the, it's the music from the trial. But these animated characters are talking about, oh, the animated characters in the movie didn't get enough attention. It's like, what are you talking about? The one is his mother. The one is the wife who cheated on him. The one is the school teacher. Why do they need any more characterization? It's all about Pete tearing down the wall and trying to reconnect. So the reason why I heard Corey Taylor was in this quote unquote review is that his son is a fan of the nostalgia critic. And Mm. so he kind of got dad to go along with it, but it's just, Oh my gosh. Well, anyway, after all this time, I finally got to see Pink Floyd. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Doug Walker. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Rosetta. Oh. I was just going to say, yeah, that's the problem with a lot of this. And wait, try to let you add a sec, but they don't get that there's a difference between I don't want to be educated versus the school systems are crap. They're not doing anything to educate people the way they need, exactly. or the school systems are abusive and stuff. I was in school stuff. I was years ahead in work, and yet I was still having issues in school because they didn't care about the students. They didn't want to care about the students. They didn't care who was being bullied. They didn't care who was abused. All they cared about was making you fit their linchpin and not teaching you anyway, except for the standard way. 
And I didn't realize that about the British school system right after World War II. And I mean, I've gotten a good education from these YouTubers who said, yeah, that's what I was kind of hoping Andrew would be on, you know, so that he might have been able to explain a little bit more. But yeah, I, I'm kind of, what kills me is that all the parody songs on there in the video, Doug Walker even does an ad during his review and says, oh, did you like our music? You can buy it. It's available. We even have songs that were in the review. <laughs> and then he calls it a total love letter to Pink Floyd. And I was like, well, if this is a love letter, I don't want to see what a hate letter was. <laughs> so, but I know I got to see the movie and um, I enjoyed it yeah. as much as you can enjoy a movie like that. Yeah. But coming into it with the background of one year of watching all these youtubers crap on doug walker deservedly so. it made you appreciate it a little bit more it made me appreciate it a whole <laughs> lot more and i uh I, I had alexa playing part of the album you know and i was like yeah yeah i, I really get this uh, i appreciate that on that level yeah but yeah, that it's video... definitely experimental, you know, and and so it's yes, definitely not for everybody. Very so. Yeah, very... Rhaegar, what has one point two out of ten? Is that uh, Doug Walker's review or one of his movies? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would have to assume he's talking about. But no, it when you have people that just like me are not even Pink Floyd fans, and they're just like, man, you could have gone on Wiki and gotten more information. This is just. Either you knew you were doing this because you wanted the controversy and you do not need the controversy or you are actually delusional enough that you think this is a love letter. Mm -hmm. I'm not so, a big Pink Floyd fan. I thought most of their stuff was overrated and I don't like some of the bigoted stuff the lead singer said. That said, Another Brick in the Wall is really beautiful for what it did because of what it was dealing with and what it was confronting. And it's okay to say you don't get something but research it before you try to claim you do and you criticize or review or stuff. Do your research. Don't be a lazy bastard. Sorry. That's yeah, okay. I mean, that, that's, that's, that was the biggest complaint. Mm -hmm. we, we don't know if he's actually ignorant of this or if he's just doing it on purpose. And considering the history that Channel Awesome has had the last couple of years where they lost tons of subscribers, including myself, I, I don't think they need any more controversy. I think Doug Walker at this point is down to two creators, one of which is uh, Brad Jones, uh, the cinema snob. I think there's one other. Everybody else has struck out on their own. Um, he's got a couple of uh, shill employees that I know they said went off on Twitter when people were, you know, asking their opinion on the controversy. Um, and they said the bulk of his quote unquote reviews now are them doing parody skits. Um, I, I vaguely remember the one they did of the dark night and it was just like, oh my gosh, um, this is pretty bad. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm glad I did at least get to see the wall. So <laughs> <laughs> At least you got to see it and experience it for like, yourself. At least I got to see it. And like yeah. I said, I enjoyed it as much as you can enjoy a movie like that. And yeah. 
there were some very upsetting moments in there, but I was like, now I, now I get it. And so mm-hmm. thanks, Doug. So yeah. <laughs> There's one thing you did for me. You enabled me to see this movie and finally see something finally. better than than his trash. It, than um, his stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and no, I will not be watching any more of his trilogy mm-hmm. um, unless I don't. Even, I wouldn't even want to do a drinking game with it because I'd have to be hauled to the hospital. So. <laughs> but yeah, that that's the movies I saw. Nice, 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 nice. Uh, all right. Before we get into uh, talking to everyone about anyone or anything they want to shout out before we wrap up, uh, let's uh, let's look at the chat. So, Aladitization, thank you for the super chat. He says, as a trad Catholic, what are your thoughts on Nick Fuentes? I don't know enough about him. I've only ever heard things said about him, and I, you know. You know how the world is today where typically people can be described in certain ways and usually those ways can turn out to not be true or can be mis- be misconstrued. So I honestly don't have an official opinion. Um, however, if if he is extreme enough to be canceled on DLive, then something tells me that there's probably not there's something not quite right there because I feel like DLive is, is pretty open for most people. So I don't know enough about him really to, to, to have an opinion one way or the other about Nick Fuentes, but uh, I don't really know him as a big purveyor or a big uh, leader in the traditional Catholic movement. So I don't know why that was, that connection was made there, but anyway, that's my thought on that. Rosie G 12 says you have to have a frame of reference for Pink Floyd's work. Yeah, absolutely. Can't just go into it, you know, uh, you know, blind. Uh, Hardwick's here. It says, I was around when the hashtag change the channel thing happened and paid close attention to it all. Some of the accusations were true, like the Juario stuff, yeah. but a lot of them didn't check out. Um, I think at the end of the day, though, you, you just, I think we can look back at that event in, in kind of hindsight and realize that there were still a lot of issues going around and going on. That, you know, obviously, whenever there's accusations, some things turn out to be truth, some things turn out not to be true. But it seems to me that there was enough there to, um, you know, be worthy of some criticism. Uh, Your Muslim uncle with the prayer hands. Thank you very much, your Muslim uncle. Thank you for being here. And yeah, I think those were the I was keeping an eye on the chat. And I think those are the only ones that were making comments and stuff like that. But Let's go ahead and go... Oh, hold on. Michael Skewhip just came in. Uh, I also recommend for you to check out the old British children's school drama show Grange Hill. It's very realistic and gritty for its time and almost no romantic stories. Interesting. Yeah, he was telling me to check that out because it's... You'll see a lot of what the old British school system Mm, was. Gotcha. And then Harwick says, one of the people involved in the hashtag change the channel movement was later involved in canceling of... Vic Mig Nung Vic I don't know how to pronounce his name. Oh Vic, yeah. 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 But I know who he's talking about. So cool. Alrighty, let, let's go down the line then and uh see what any last second or last things that anyone wants to talk about, discuss. Uh starting with Rosetta. Rosetta, um, you've been drawing uh during the stream and, and she was sharing a lot of those with me. I don't know how to um 
share those if mm-hmm. you wanted me to share them or not but uh the, there's the tweet if you want to share it remember ah yes 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 let me <laughs> let me pull that back i'm sketching <laughs> that's right here it is these are quick sketches, so they're kind of very rough edges instead of being really smoothed out and stuff. And there's smudges on them, but there you go. You can still see the drawing. It just needs cleaned up and inked out with pen. And actually, was just finishing up with another one. <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. So a few of the sketches that Rosetta has been working on. So uh, any last uh, last second plugs or anything you want to mention? Just to keep remembering that I'm do- this stuff, studying the anatomy, doing these drawings is all about trying to work on stuff for the military right now. And any of this stuff that I'm doing and drawing and inking and showing people, you want to buy it from me, let me know. I will use that to help fund the work for the military stuff. I have so far paid almost 4000 on the different artists and stuff for this book. So and along with all the art supplies. So I could use raising a little of the money back. <laughs> There you go. And I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll put that over on the stream. So there is the Twitter account with some of the uh, pencil images, sketches that you can look at, and they are for sale. So if you want to help to support Rosetta's work, you can check those out and, and help her out in that way. And then also she is currently working on a project as well, uh, what we call the Eagles book, An Adventure in Eagles. And uh, she's been doing a lot of hard work with that taking the pictures that she needs to and uh, getting all the behind the scenes stuff kind of set up for that. It, it got slowed down massively when we had the storm hit last August and then I wasn't in the area until the end of the year mm-hmm. and I couldn't do it for my, the programming and stuff I needed to do. I couldn't do for my mom's house. I didn't have enough computer supplies, all that, that I needed. Mm-hmm. And then got back and went through a lot of medical stuff from December through February. So Unfortunately, I lost the original mailing list mm. while dealing with that, and so I have to redo the mailing list, but it is almost done now, and I've been really working hard on getting it finished up. Cool. Awesome. Well, there it is right there, just posted. Uh, if you want to follow her on Indiegogo and sign up for that email list, uh, anything else you want to mention? Just keep looking at ways you can help other people. The whole purpose of the stuff that I'm doing it's all to either create beauty to help educate people to the real world and creation or to try to help with charity and stuff. That's, I think the biggest thing we can do in these, in these projects in the indie world, in the we're fighting the mainstream because we're better than them. So focus on helping your fellow man, however you can. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. Absolutely. And most, especially with, with the project she's working on helping out, uh, veterans. Again, we, we mentioned about earlier how, especially during the lockdowns and everything going on with COVID, they have been uh, disproportionately affected by a lot of this because obviously a lot of them in their support need uh, therapy, need uh, especially being able to talk to people, uh, meet up with people, meet up in groups, get that support that they need. And a lot of that was taken away. So uh, a lot of these people dealing with um you know, countless numbers of issues that many of us could never even fathom having, um, not ha- not getting the support that they need. So Rosetta is doing an amazing work here, helping to raise money to support them. So thank you, Rosetta, for continuing to do awesome work like this. And thank you for for continuing to be a chosen of Valhalla as well. It's always great having you on. It's great to come in here and yeah. see you every month. Yeah. And and actually, this is the longest I think we've gone without being made fun of for my 80s 
knowledge or lack thereof. <laughs> you had to bring that out. Now I have to make a crack. You want your lack of 80s knowledge, right? Yes, I am. I am slowly getting there, though. I have. I also haven't actually said YouTube sucks and Disney sucks myself. Only you did, so that was lacking too. Yes. However, I didn't slip up and swear this time. This is true. <laughs> Apparently, I did earlier. I'll have to rewatch the footage just to make sure. Um, thank you again, Rosetta. We also got Mr. Roy. Mr. Roy, any uh, last things you want to say or shouting out of anyone? Uh, I'll shout out a small YouTuber I discovered recently. His channel's called the uh, this uh, Movie Collector. Okay. It's a small channel that. One of his videos is about the Ten Commandments, and he has this video explains really well what the why the um, 4K looks so good. Mm-hmm. He um, he explains the VistaVision format and stuff that was used by Paramount back in the 50s, and this is the only place I found this info from. Okay, even their even the Wikipedia on the Ten Commandments doesn't have any of this on it. <laughs> Oh, wow. Is he uh, just known as Movie Collector with around 8,000 subs? Yeah, I, I can link the actual video in the Discord. Cool. I think I, f- I found it. That's why I was asking okay. if it was the one with 8,000. Uh... Yeah, he has a video called The Ten Commandments 4K Review, Vista Vision Clarity. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, and he also has a Batman 89, Spider-Man 123. Yeah, he, he so. goes into detail why some of these movies look really good and why. And nice. he's actually able to compare them to actual 35 millimeter prints and Super 8 prints. And yeah, he's out. I believe he's out of the UK. Okay. Nice. Yeah, I, I recommend him. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, if you're a big fan of uh, physical media collections as well um, and, and like that kind of knowledge. He also looks like he has one about the super eight gauge, a brief guide. So it goes into super eight film too. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, the only other person I could think of that could, that might have some breakdown similar to that is, uh, Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm just blanking out on his name. I've, I've shattered him out on the channel though before. Um, I think it's like films at home. Yeah. Films at home. But he's, I know he's fallen behind because he's been working on a, on a deck for his house. And so he's fallen behind yeah, on this. I, I saw this post. Yeah. <laughs> so I know he's at some point going to have a Ten Commandments video. And he normally also goes into detail. But for now, uh, also a, a small, you know, growing channel like that. So check out the movie collector. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he um, Films at home sometimes posts things on YouTube about um, sales on Amazon. So mm-hmm. he's a good channel to also follow also for that kind of stuff. Yeah, especially if you're someone that typically has uh, for your uh, YouTube app or anything like that, following not just videos, but post. Yeah, every week or so he has uh, all the different sales that are going on. And uh, unfortunately, I because I, I always follow that kind of stuff. And sadly, they the app or rather Blu-rays.com was down. And they didn't tell people for a while, and then they finally updated it, and they were supposed to go back online today. But hey, still, still, still nothing. So we'll we'll find out about that. But anything else, Mr. Roy? That's it. Awesome. Well, Mr. Roy, it's always great to have you here, and thank you again for for continuing to be chosen of Valhalla. Uh, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Of course, absolutely. And check out. Um, the movie collector or simply i think it's just movie collector and i posted the link earlier very good all right tina any last second thoughts or anyone you want to shout out mr roy um if you can get the kindle or the hardback version of empire dreams 
of the biography of Cecil B. DeMille, they go into a lot of detail about how he shot the Ten Commandments. So a lot of that about the Vista Vision and all of that is in there. Nice. So that was where I first learned about it because I was like, I didn't know the <laughs> the film moved that way <laughs> in Vista Vision. Yeah, for people who don't know, Vista Vision is basically thirty-five millimeter, but they turned the frame. They turned the frame. Yes. Yeah, expanded. Oh, yeah, so okay. So it's almost twice the clarity that you get off a traditional thirty-five millimeter. Yeah. Even though it's the same film stock. Yep. Technically. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I had read about that in that bio because there were so many things that he wanted to do that Paramount was like, oh, the money, the money. Do we even know if we're going to make all of our money back? We don't want you to do that. So <laughs> it's like y'all should have listened to him. So, but uh, no, I I've been buying up a lot of books on movies, and uh, I got that Buxley Berkeley bio that I was quoting from months ago and I bought a biography on Douglas Fairbanks Sr. and one on Claude Rains so I gotta squeeze all that stuff in (laughs) and uh, I was trying to think I think I pretty much have covered it Um, if you don't already sub to Up From The Deaths I would say sub to him He, I have learned so much from him about kaiju monsters and considering this is something I came into three or four months ago mm-hmm. thanks to seeing the trailers from you know Godzilla vs. Kong I've, I'm getting a really good education uh, Altieri she throws out so many little you know well I know we're all thinking of this well here's what I think happened and you're like oh my gosh that makes so much sense so um, so it channels you know just channels like that and maybe you know what I was saying about that this movie could encourage a whole new generation to kind of start looking into the kaiju films maybe that's what we need to do Mm. Um, since the ones that a lot of us grew up on have been so disappointing, but it seems that the kaiju movies are at least trying to stay what they were mm-hmm. and not being woke and everything. Maybe, you know, I'm, I hope Toho retains their rights because the last thing I want is for a bunch of SJWs to decide, oh, well, we're going to woke up Kong and Godzilla, you know. <laughs> so, um, I think that's it. Okay. Check, check those out. <laughs> nice. Very cool. Absolutely. Well, as always, Tina, thank you for being a chosen. Also, thank you for being you. being one of my Valks and uh, for always doing an awesome job moderating the chat. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, of, and of course, with that, I will shout out Steph, uh, who, of course, is is teaching. So hope... Hopefully, Steph, if you're listening back to this, you had a great class and several classes, actually. And uh, yeah, I was having a conversation with Bruce because uh, Blu-ray.com, apparently it was up for a second, um, but then it went back down. So it sounds like there's there's some other issues going on over there. Orange Eye Reviews also says uh, Alatori or Altiori is a truly wonderful channel. So um, yes. shouting out that. And uh, yeah, so anyway, well, I'll be back in. Oh, she's a- back. Oh, look at that. Um, <laughs> hello, Laura. What's going on? 
Uh, so also, yeah, I got to shout out Laura. Thank you very much for helping to mod uh, today's stream as well. And also to shout out the other uh, Chosen of Valhalla who couldn't be here. So Laura, thank you uh, for being able to stay in the chat for a lot of the, for a lot of the stream. Uh, Stephanie B being back here as well. Can hope class went well. Um, also got a shout out, of course, ZK man. Hope you're healing up just fine, man. Uh, also shout out to um, Andrew Hoyle who also was not able to to make it today. There was um, other stuff going on uh, during this time as well. So shout out to you and to all of the other Chosen um, who there are others that <laughs> I just never hear from. Uh, you know, they're in the chats and they don't respond. I know that they're probably busy doing other things as well. But um, with that being said, awesome, awesome, awesome uh, to always have this group of people, to always have these great conversations. And also much thanks to the chat as well. Thank you all for your questions, your comments, for your engagement. It's always fun to have these back and forth discussions about this. Um, I will be back, though, in uh, just about three hours. Uh, because in three hours, we got the Wednesday Raven Awards, the third annual. So I just posted a link in the chat. If you want to, the event's uh, already there. If you want to click on the remind button or to... You know, drop a like while you while you wait. You can go ahead and click on that link. I, I might try because I still have a few hours. So seeing how much time I have and mental capacity, um, because I, I do have graphics to use tonight. They're very simplistic, and that's about all I was able to do. Um, so if I'm able to do anything else, I might try and see if I can simulcast because I did my first test stream over on Odyssey yesterday, and it worked. But there's some issues and some stuff that I need to uh, still figure out with that. But I might be able to get a stream up over there. Probably not, though, because that, I think, is going to ruin the whole system. So I, I might as well. Um, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. I'll do some playing around, some, some, some tinkering, as it were. Um, but it will be live on YouTube, on DLive, and, of course, on Periscope. So, again, thank you all very much for, for continuing to, to be here and to support and and speaking of that, let me shout out some members really quick because it is the end of the show, end of the stream. So I shout out my Army of Asgard level people and above. So Window Liquor, your Muslim uncle, Kara Tharp, Eric Jewett, Rich the Savior, Dadman Walk 55, M Tax Shark, Forever Sci-Fi, Rosie G12, Andrew Hoyle, Eric K, Orange at Reviews, Adam Avery, Twirly Wolf, J Stowe, and Aiden Vickery, thank you all very much for being members on the channel. You guys are all amazing and beautiful people. The voting is over. If you want to check out the nominations, go to my website. You can find a link to the website in the description. Go to the uh, Raven Awards section you'll see at the top. Click on the one for 2020, and it'll have the list of nominees. So that way you'll know what's up tonight. And we will, of course... Go through those nominees as well as we announce those winners. So, again, starting 7.30 tonight, probably will go a couple hours. Uh, probably won't go much longer than that. But uh, for those that are going to join me, I appreciate and thank you in advance. But anyway, you guys are all amazing and beautiful people. Please join us for that boycott of the Oscars because, of course, it's very important for us to boycott that terrible, terrible show. <laughs> And with that being said, you guys are amazing, beautiful people. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, God bless. It's your worst day. And now for a huge shout out to all of my April Patreon and Subscribe Star members Andrew Hoyle, Animation Commentator, Bifur the Hobbit, Brian P., Divex, 
Enrique Evangelista, Dion, Father Christopher Miller, Hail to you, Father, Father Damian Cook, Garrett Searles, Humor and Hobbies, Inflamed Wood, It's a Trap Productions, Jason Clark, Jacob Juice, Jeffrey Toon, Jonathan Carney, Lance, Laura Story, The Modern Major General, Mike Jackson, Mad Mitch Dunaway, Mr. Peabody and his evil twin with the beautiful hair, On to June, Orange Hat Reviews, Out of Step with Reality, Priscilla Hall, Riff Magos, Rosetta Allen, Steve Glasker, Teresa Martin, Theodore Benden, Tina Bojan, and of course, the Empress of the Universe, Tina B. And my subscribe star remembers... Remembers? Subscribe star remembers... <laughs> I did it again! Subscribe star members. Fast Reaction, Nosferatu Gatsu, Stan 4, John B, Perpetual Punster, Mr. Roy, Glinzer, J. Alex McCarthy Jr., Dean Heiss, Slash to the new number 2, J-Rod, The Beer Guru, Nevanon G. Adams, and ZK Man. Thank you to all of my Patreon and Subscribe Star members. If you want your name shouted out at the end of every single video and live stream, check out the links in the description to find out how to sign up on Patreon and Subscribe Star. Also, you'll find out how to get access to things like giveaways of Blu-rays and 4K titles and digital codes, and also access to an exclusive podcast for my Keepers of the Bifrost, and also the Chosen of Valhalla level where you can not only get all of those things, you also get a t-shirt and get to be featured on a live stream once a month hosted on the OMB Reviews channel. Anyway, if you want to have access to any of those things, check out the links in the description for Patreon and Subscribestar for more information. You guys are all amazing and beautiful people. I hope you all have a wonderful day and as always, God bless.